gentle listener, and welcome to Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. I'm your host, Michael Lilienthal, and this is my guest, Ethan Bartlett, and we are in rooms. I don't know if we're with Scotch because this is a special commemorating the fifth anniversary of our podcast. Ethan, we've been doing this podcast for five years. Yeah, and like, I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten a single invitation to appear on like a late night television show. I know. I like. I know. That's the only reason I wanted to do this podcast in the first. Thank place. you. Yes, exactly. Same for me. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I guess we'll just keep plowing along until we get invited onto insert name of famous late night comedian here. Um, I'll I'll fix that in post. Uh, I couldn't think oh, of good. any of them because yes. I don't watch those shows. But anyway, we'll just keep doing that until the instant we get get that phone call, and then the podcast will be over. Yes, right. Then we'll we'll abandon the podcast to solely make guest appearances on late night talk shows <laughs> to talk about the podcast we've abandoned. Yep, because I assume that is how that works. If you like get invited onto one of those shows one time, you can spend the rest of your career just <laughs> making appearances on those shows about the same material. I think that is how that goes. Right, right. Just revisiting the same thing and you know tell the same stories. And yep, you're fine. Yep. It's all good. Yeah, very good. Well, this being a a special episode, we are not drinking a specific bottle of scotch. Correct. Uh, We have no rules. We are not talking about one particular book. Uh, We will talk about um, kind of the the history of our podcast here in a bit. But uh, what are you drinking, Ethan? Well, I would like to report I am in a room that scotch is in because i have the uh highland park 12 year old viking honor uh that we are um Mm -hmm. wait i'm trying to think about when this episode is gonna come out we're in the midst i guess of the two the the two to four week period where we do constantly drink that bottle right but i am taking a break from that tonight what i'm drinking is um I guess it's just a chartreuse highball. Um, mm. I have green chartreuse uh, a bottle here, which is um, similar to Benedictine in the sense that it's like a liqueur that was created by European monks, you know, supposedly several hundred years ago. Um, and it's mm. like one of those proprietary recipes that only four people know, you know, ever. And mm. they're not all allowed to get on an airplane at the same time or whatever. um chartreuse is is interesting it's very herbal it's very you know there's definitely a lot of like just you know anise and uh um Mm. not not just anise by any means though there's definitely i'm i'm trying to think of other herbs basically if you can think of an herb you could find grown in europe it's probably in there uh (laughs) it supposedly has like 60 herbs or something i i the bottle probably says i did zero preparation for this anyway um <laughs> and then to make it a highball since it's a pretty intense uh liqueur all by itself it's like 110 proof um so make it a highball just by uh putting a little in a glass and stretching it out with some club soda makes it nice you know less intense to drink and you get more of more of the different subtle flavors mm-hmm that sounds delicious. Uh, fun fact about chartreuse: that is, the drink's name is where the color's name comes from. 
Like oh really? Chartreuse, yeah, is the shade of the of the drink. Um, huh. and, which is confusing because there is also a yellow chartreuse. So there's a green chartreuse and a yellow chartreuse. And if mm. you green chartreuse is where the color name comes from, but it's like it feels redundant. But you gotta differentiate yeah. the two varieties somehow, I guess. So anyway, yeah. But okay, that's that's a that is a fun fact. That was very fun. <laughs> Thank you. That was a fact, and it was fun. It's always a risk introducing a fun fact because if the other person doesn't think it's fun, then it's like, what have you done? You've perjured yourself. Right. 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 By either lying or telling a fact that's not fun, that's perjury. Exactly. So, yep. Yeah. Well, I am drinking a lavender vodka sour. Ooh. That sounds swanky. Um, it's the only thing that makes it sh- swanky is this um, floral syrup that uh, I got. I just got recently a set uh, mm-hmm. of, I think, six flower syrups. Um, and so for this one, I put in the lavender. Nice. Uh, to make the vodka sour. And I am using one of my favorite vodkas um, that's like affordable and easy to access at least where i am and that's the loon man vodka it's a minnesota I was, vodka i was like <laughs> i didn't know that but i knew it from it being called the right. loon man right it's awesome yeah the, the loon man distillery is one that i want to visit at sure. some point they've got a lot of really good stuff is it up north or um, where is it at i am not actually sure exactly where it is it might be Fairbow. okay but it might not be. I don't know. I gotta look into it. Well, that's a hundred percent of the vodka, possibilities. I keep coming back to it, so that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's tasty. So just a just yeah. a sour build, but with the the lavender syrup. With the lavender syrup, that's awesome. Yep, instead of a, in a any other kind of simple syrup. Right. Yeah, that that was going to be my only question. Was like, is it a lavender vodka or did you do something else? But it sounds. Yeah, I bet, I bet the lavender and the honey, or honey, the uh, lavender and like the the lemon would com- complement each other mm-hmm. nicely. They are very nice together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I've been working my way through those various syrups. There's a rose hip one. Ooh. It's pretty good. Yeah. So, anyway, that's what I'm drinking. That's awesome. Um, so, with these drinks in hand, Ethan, yes. let's... Take a trip are we hopping? down memory lane. Are we getting in the time machine? We're getting in the time machine. And we're going to go back, all the way back, to December of 2016. Mm, listen, as, like, <laughs> coordinates to put in in the time machine go, that's, like... I mean, it's not March of 2020, or January of this year, but it's still not what I'd call my favorite idea. <laughs> but you're you're hosting this show right now, so I'm going to let you... Right. Uh, I will graciously step aside and allow you to make the decision. Good. Good. Because I'm going to make the decision. Uh, <laughs> so yes, we've done five years of this podcast. I haven't actually counted how many episodes we have. Um, I think... The latest thing I saw in our podcast, in my podcast catcher for this is that we've got like 101, 102, okay. but that like includes maybe promos and like, sure. 
announcement things in there too so we might be right around 100 episodes okay neat because that's always the thing with a podcast is like do you market at episode numbers like 100 200 Mm -hmm. or do you market at like years right but yeah this so yeah our first episode um well we had a a promo that came out november uh of 2016 but then our first episode came out december 23rd 2016 two nice. days before christmas what were we thinking yeah that i don't know i mean isn't that like a classically con- like classically considered extremely bad timing to release anything i think so because no one's really looking for anything new yeah right then well they're not people aren't like yeah stopping to you wouldn't like premiere a movie because you know mm-hmm. everyone's in the run-up to christmas they're probably not going to see it till christmas day at the earliest uh, right. But in defiance of convention, as uh, as um, path groundbreakers, as path groundbreakers, which is mm-hmm. a thing we've always called ourselves this whole five years. Oh yes, we've been proud of that label that we've given ourselves we... very clearly and staunchly. I mean, it's been in pretty much every episode. Yeah, and it's on all our and merch. We've said that about ourselves. Yeah, right. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is who we have been. Um, so that first episode, Ethan, um, was when we discussed the book South of the Border, West of the Sun by Haruki Murakami. And while we discussed it, we were drinking a bottle of Jura Superstition. This is true. Uh, single malt. And I, and sorry, in the conversation we had like 10 minutes ago about how we were going to do this episode, I was the one who suggested that we'd probably focus on like the books and the scotches rather than talking about like production but i would like to note sure. that the length yeah. of this episode maybe you were gonna get here uh no the length of this episode we were going for about an hour we thought yep. we thought about an hour long episode once a month was probably a doable thing a reasonable mm-hmm. amount of time uh we did spend one hour and 40 minutes talking about south of the border <laughs> west of the sun uh yep. Which is about the same amount of time we spent on East of Eden. Um, okay. Then we came to the end. We spent one hour and 50 minutes. Uh, oh, boy. And then that's when we decided to start splitting these into yeah. two episodes. Yes. Yeah, I was going to mention just that little production note that our original intent with the podcast was to do one episode a month, about an hour discussion on books. And then after three episodes, we discovered that was unfeasible. Yes. <laughs> so we split it into two um which is which i think has has been quite beneficial you know we've we've been over an hour per episode pretty frequently but not not often over an hour and a half yeah i was was gonna say i would say often not very much over like going to an hour 10 is is much more rare right post to those first three episodes so anyway um Did you want to say something, Michael, about South of the Border, West of the Sun, or about Jura Superstition? Uh, not Jura Superstition in particular. You know, this show is Michael and Ethan in a room with scotch. And so we, we drink a lot of scotch and we taste a lot of different things. And I guess what I have come to appreciate just from scotch uh, is the sheer variety yeah. that there is. Um and just glancing through some of these scotches that we've tasted, um, like we've had some that were okay, some that were really good, and you know everywhere in between. 
I don't think I've had a scotch that I've hated. No, I don't. I don't think I have either. I've had. I think the most negative reaction I've felt towards any given scotch is like sort of a mild disappointment. Like, mm. not that this is bad, but it could have been more. Right. But I've right. yeah. There's. I don't think I've I've had a scotch that I've been like ultimately sorry to have to have done a session with so okay here's here's uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna put this rule into place not a rule but like maybe a principle in place as we talk through these episodes when we get to the scotch about each episode we're just gonna say would you like to revisit this scotch yeah i like that um and for juror superstition sure i don't think i'm gonna actively seek it out but i'd i'd revisit it what about you? i'd say yes because Mostly because I don't remember it, <laughs> which tells me that sure. it probably wasn't that memorable of a scotch. But I feel like I would. I do. Fe- I actually feel like I would because I feel like I'm vaguely remembering there being some like sea air kind of notes to it. Hmm. I think I think I'd either revisit it or look at another Jura bottling. Um, certainly mm-hmm. one or, one or the other. Certainly more inclined to say yes than no. Sure. Um, How about a... As for... uh, Yeah, go for it. South of the Border, West of the Sun. uh, So this being our first episode, we collaborated and decided what book we would discuss for the first episode. And then after that, we started the picking process for one another. Right. Um, How do you feel about this uh, South of the Border, West of the Sun as our premiere episode? Uh, I think it worked really well. Um, I think it was a really good pick for our premiere. Um it was not too long, so we felt like we could cover it in an hour, which was foolish. But you know, giving it two hours seemed <laughs> seemed a decent discussion. There's always more you can discuss. Um, Absolutely. But there, but you know, there was there was certainly enough going on in this book to to let us dig in and give it a really good discussion. Yeah. Um, I'm still not satisfied that I understand even remotely everything that there is to be understood about this book uh yeah but that'll be a recurring theme right um i will say i have not read much by haruki murakami but since reading south of the border west of the sun i have wanted to read just about everything of his um i have two or three other books by him on my shelf that i have not gotten to Um, and I intend to at some point. <laughs> I've read, um, including this one, I've probably read five or six of his books. Um, okay. No, at least six. Definitely more than me. At least six if I'm counting the short story collection. Um, mm. And I've read a handful of his short stories. Sure. But They're all like... Not a full collection. Not a single one of them would I say is not worth reading. Sure. Like, yeah. You know. That's... He's one of those authors that is you know currently living and writing um and also just has a unique voice yes. extremely unique voice um that's just phenomenal i feel like he's it, i couldn't say this about every author but if i picked up a a book without a title page without an author listed i would know if it was his yeah i agree and i think <laughs> that comes through even in translation too like there's yes. there's something even deeper of than the prose itself about that like just the way he plays with ideas or communicates thoughts or and and even that's even in with like 
conceptions of character and, and revelations of character and stuff like that. I, I agree. I think I would just, I would be able to blind guess him. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, as always, there's plenty more we on, on to the... could say, but yes. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move on. Yes. Let's keep this this chugging. So a month later, we discussed East of Eden by John Steinbeck while drinking Kragalaki, thirteen year old Scotch. Um, I'll start with the Scotch there, Ethan. Would you revisit Kragalaki thirteen? Okay, I am gonna preface this just for all of my answers to these questions by saying. There's no scotch I wouldn't revisit if you put, like, a glass of it in my hand. If it was what you had. Sure. Or even if it was, you know, the scotch on the menu at at a bar I was at or something. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll say then, how interested are you in revisiting it? I don't think I'd buy another bottle. Um, Okay. I loved the art on on the, uh, the case, and it was, you know, perfectly fine, nice scotch, but... Um, I just think there are other scotches that are more interesting. That's kind of my impression, uh, just from trying to remember five years ago. Um, yeah. That, yeah, I think it was, it was fine. It was a good scotch uh, and I would definitely drink it. But I, I think in five years, uh, I've had a lot of scotches <laughs> that I enjoy far better. Yeah. Uh, East of Eden, though, speaking of books that we thought we would have uh, plenty of time in an hour to discuss. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we go from south of the border, west of the sun, west of the sun, you know, this, what, 250 page novel, maybe? Yeah. To a 650 page novel. Yeah, it's like probably the longest book we've done that hasn't been a four-parter and like and if it that's came up honestly, now it might be a four-parter absolutely that's yeah it, to think that this is the second episode uh the second book we discussed and we did one episode on yeah. it when it should be a four episode easily book, yeah uh just by length right. alone <laughs> um but uh, you know, when we think about the the books that we are bringing to each other to read and discuss, right. I knew you had feelings about Steinbeck, right. so I knew I had to bring East of Eden to you at some point and force you to read it. Yeah. And honestly, when I came to just what my first independent pick would be for the book, it had to be East of Eden. Sure. I, I couldn't think of anything else that I just needed you to read. Sure at that point yeah and uh, so i i don't regret bringing it for one of our one episode right no and i don't <laughs> i don't regret having read it and i wasn't sorry at the, i think when we started this podcast when we agreed to do south of the border i think like i just made peace with the fact that i would be reading east of eden at some point <laughs> like i think i literally had that conversation with myself uh mm-hmm. and it was i was pleasantly surprised by it as you know this is yeah. Anyone who's listened to this episode knows that already, but like, yeah, I was, I was, uh, uh, it's the only Steinbeck I've ever read that I've had the urge to go back and reread. Mm-hmm. Um, good. Well, all right. I, I don't know if I want to spend too long a time on this. We will keep tr- chugging yes. along here unless you have something really pressing to say. No, you um, lead us. Our third episode was your pick, yes. and it was Then We Came to the End by Joshua Ferris, which we discussed while drinking Glenfiddich 14-year-old, the U.S. exclusive. Um, 
which was uh, my Scotch pick right. for that one. So Scotch itself, how interested are you in revisiting Glenfiddich 14? Uh, zero. It was fine. Zero. It was probably the most interesting <laughs> yeah. Glenfiddich I've ever had. But it's just like those okay. those sort of mainline Highland Scotches, like... You know, they have their place, and I understand why people like them, but I just don't find them all that interesting. I was, I will say I was glad you brought it to that episode, because it was like, it sure. was an interesting bottling, an interesting release, but um, mm. one one bottle was plenty for, for me. How about you? Sure. Well, I, this is one that I see on the shelf once in a while, and I keep thinking, you know, Glenfiddich is one of those scotches that I could easily just have in my cupboard. Sure. Um and pull out on occasion and i can't decide which edition of Glen- i mean the 12 is good the 15 is good the 14 us exclusive is also good i i don't know they're all they're all different yeah but, um all just kind of this standard scotch that you just you could just have yeah and so the, that's the sort of interested i am in having it right that's that's sort of that highlands thing glenfiddich and glenlivet are both very well built and very sort of classical um, right and again that's not a bad thing no 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 there's there's a place for that okay. um so then we came to the end was your pick Ethan. yes so what do you want to say about it well i we talked about it we kind of did this segment except in was it our lat was it our uh our first paragraph challenge special it might we been. had a, a recent excursus into mm-hmm. our updated feelings on it um so i don't want to say too much more necessarily but uh i i do right. i i think i think i liked it more then than i do now um yeah and i, I think you've said that i yeah. think but. you i think didn't like it very much at all and i liked it more than you did and i think mm-hmm. my opinion has shifted much more towards your excuse me your uh mm. take on it at the time um there's interesting stuff going on i appreciate like some of the risks yeah. Josh, joshua ferris takes and some of the things he's trying to do. Um, right. But ultimately, like, I actually reopened it recently, which may be why, it, why it's come up, but I, like, mm. I couldn't... Even reading it out... Oh, that's why, because because I read it for the first paragraph challenge as one of yeah, your... Yeah, that was one of the... Your uh, mm-hmm. uh, challenges. Um, and I was even rereading that first paragraph, I was like, nah, I have no interest in, mm-hmm. in reading more of this. Yeah, this this was our first disagreement. Yeah, the closest thing we've ever gotten to uh, satisfying Nat's desire for us to like argue right. more. I didn't hate the book, which I think looking back at this episode, I've kind of gotten the impression that I just hated the book. But you know, it had its merits. Yeah. But I will also say, I no longer own this sure. book. Uh, it's not the only one of our our list that I've gotten rid of. Oh, yeah. And it's not necessarily that I got rid of it just because it's like, oh, this is garbage and I don't want it anymore. It's just like, you know, part of the book downsizing that happens once in a while. Yeah. uh, And so this is is the first one that I have gotten rid of. Sure. Yeah, I'm not not sure I have my copy. I think I got rid of it. Um, Okay. And, yeah. And, like, me getting, like you just said, me getting rid of a book generally isn't inherently a slam on it like there are some books that i read once and i love and appreciate and i have no real interest in reading them ever again and then i'll get rid of them Mm -hmm. i will also get rid of books like i think i still have my copy of ravelstein but uh Mm -hmm. that's one example of a book i might get rid of not because i don't want to reread it but because 
every library has you know a collection of Saul Bellow, and or every used right. bookstore probably has a a copy for less than five bucks. So if, mm-hmm. if I if I think if I look at a book and I think if I get rid of this, I can recover it very quickly one way or the other i'll get rid of a book for that reason too mm-hmm. um right which yeah no that's definitely a valid reason for it does skew moving one from your it skews my personal library weirder and weirder by process of elimination <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's okay <laughs> you know you're just aiming to have your own house on the rock by the end of your life i mean you're not the first person this month who's accused me of that <laughs> the other three instances were my wife but you know oh yes good <laughs> do you have any other thoughts on uh, when we came to the end no i mean it was an interesting book and that's, that's yeah that's all i'm glad i read it but yeah yes yeah, it's definitely um then uh after that our format shifted when we came to till we have faces by c.s lewis uh, and while we discussed it we drank old pulteney 12 year and that is also the first, uh, well, that's the first two-part episode um, uh, uh, book discussion that we had. Uh, and that is also our first guest on the podcast. This is true. Uh, when we had uh, our friend Josiah on to discuss the novel of Cupid and Psyche. Um, definitely a good call to start splitting yes. at that point. Yes, yes. Um, yeah it like we could have split sooner but uh yeah it was it was good to to make that shift and that's the format we've kept more it or is. Less since since that point um was that also where we started adding more rules uh i think we let josiah make a rule um i, I think he made the rule that i wasn't allowed to talk about vampires oh is that did he make that rule I think that's where that rule came. So here, till we have faces, those two episodes um, have a lot of firsts for our podcast yeah. uh, in them. Which um, it's interesting because Old Pulteney is also, I believe, the first Scotch that comes back later. I oh, brought Old right. Pulteney to a later, a later uh, record. Was it the same twelve-year-old? Yes. Oh my gosh. Because I think, at least in my market, that was... Old Pulteney has like a 12-year-old that's, you know, fairly affordable. And then the next one up is like an 18-year-old that's, you know, $150 plus. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. I'll, I'm going to have to... Yeah, when we get to that point. Because that would have been Babbitt, I think. I right? think so, yes. Um, okay. Well, let's let's talk about Old Pulteney then. Um, how interested are you in revisiting? Yes, always. Always Yes. <laughs> Yes, always, always yes. And I think you um, knew that this would be the answer, but yep. thank you for setting me up. Okay, honestly, you know, I, I didn't remember for sure about uh, Till We Have Faces, but um, for Babbitt, if that is in fact the same yeah, just... scotch, that, I mean, yes, absolutely, I'm going to revisit that stuff. That's good. It was one of my um, early favorites when I didn't know very much about scotch, and it's one of the few mm-hmm. of those that, like, stayed one of my favorites the more that I learned. Yeah good i you know i need to listen to those episodes again to see if my rating changed yeah yeah that would be that would be really interesting (laughs) if this was a podcast in my evaluation if this was a podcast where we did any prep at all like we might have done that beforehand we might not but you know i've been meaning at some point to like try to track down the just the end of each of our episodes to like make a chart of our ratings of everything sure (laughs) 
Um, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, to you you um, you mention that idea periodically, and anytime I think about yeah. it, I'm just like, that's so much work, so much yep. time with a spreadsheet. <laughs> it is so much time with. A There's a reason I'm a cook and not an accountant. That was almost a Star Trek. <laughs> that was almost a. a darn yeah. it, Jim. Um, anyway, we should talk about Till We Have Faces, anyway. the actual book, at least a yes. little bit. We should, because this is maybe the first book that just broke me yeah. on the podcast. Had you not read it um, before? I had oh, not. Oh, that's right. No, this, this this was my pick for the for the podcast, and I found it, I think, just on the shelf at Barnes & Noble. Because sure. I'll do this sweep once in a while at Barnes & Noble, where I'll just like look at the covers of books. Um, and this was a C.S. Lewis, and so I recognized the author and loved the author, and then also just the cover was so interesting. Yeah. And the title, and I'd never heard of it before, and so I was like, I need to read this. And so I bought it. I think I bought you a copy. I think I bought Josiah a copy. Um, and then we, yeah, when we read it, I, oh my gosh, I, 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 this, this is one, maybe the oldest book of the books that we've discussed, like some of South of the Border, West of the Sun, some of East of Eden, some of then we came to the end, like I remember distinctly, but Till We Have Faces sticks out in my brain in a different sure. way. Um, and it's so vivid in my mind. Um, so, so far, I think, anyway, uh, of these four books, Till We Have Faces is my favorite. Sure. That's, yeah, that's fair. Um, it's one of my all-time favorites. I had read it at least twice, I think, before it came to the podcast. Maybe just once. I thought it was twice, mm. though. And, okay. Uh, I can, at this point, I can just skip to, like, the last three pages and if I reread those last three pages with zero context, I, I like I can make myself cry. Of course. Oh it's, yeah. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. That's that's all I have to say. Yeah. Um Yeah. Good. Uh next we discussed Raise High the Roofbeam Carpenters and Seymour an Introduction by JD Salinger while drinking Dalwhinny fifteen year scotch. Um Ethan, Dalwhinnie, how interested are you in revisiting? I think I gave it a fairly low rating at the time, but I do see it on the shelf every once in a while and have an urge to mm. to pick up just like one more bottle. Maybe that's all I'd ever need. But um, okay. it, it, to me, I think it actually, I think it's the one that I would buy as like just a cupboard scotch, just one I wouldn't necessarily mm. drink all the time, but to have on hand in case I had a guest guest who asked for scotch, like, it's kind of an easy yeah. drinking one, I think. So, I would, I would probably, I would probably revisit it. Um, I, I don't remember what your rating was on it, but I remember that this was the first one I gave five stars. Wait, really? Uh, yeah, I, I remember absolutely different... loving Delphine. I, I, I don't know what you're thinking of, but okay, yeah. I, I, I nope, I am. You, you, I mean, no, I was thinking of a couple scotches later. The oh. uh, long row. Oh, okay. Okay, I don't. Got okay, it. I'm gonna. So I'm gonna sw switch my answer to yes because I don't remember this scotch <laughs> at all. And clearly, okay. if you rated right. it that highly, I have to go revisit it at some point. Yeah. Well, it's you know you talk about it having a cupboard scotch. Like I would have Glenfiddich as the the cupboard scotch that I just break out any old mm. time. I would have the Dalwhinnie as a cupboard scotch that I would break out. 
when I, I have people that I really like over sure. and need to have scotch. Or you have like a special occasion um, or. Or a special occasion. Yeah, something. absolutely. Um, Hopefully those things. So this, uh, this, this pair of novellas by J.D. Salinger um, was your pick. So I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the introductory remarks. Uh, they're still my favorite uh, Salinger work taken together. Mm. Um, like we said maybe off mic before recording that, you know, we both intended to go back and reread like most of these and had not done so yep. with maybe any of them. I have definitely reread this since. For a nice. while, I was reading this nine stories in Franny and Zoe annually. Um, okay. I don't think I've... I, I have not read them this year. I think I did read them all last year, though. So uh, I've, I've fallen off. That was that was when I was younger and spunkier. Um, I've fallen off that <laughs> wagon in my older age here. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's that that's that's what I've got on that one. Good. I, I have not revisited this. Um, I have since reading this reread a number of the nine stories. Sure. I haven't read the whole thing cover to cover, but kind of cherry picked. Sure. Um, and I have always intended to read Franny and Zoe um, since reading this. Um, just haven't gotten around sure. to it. It's it's on my shelf, and I'll I'll get to it at some point. But yeah, no, J.D. Salinger is another one of those authors that has a unique voice, and just the 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 small size of his corpus is um fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And, and the small size of any it, individual I, work within it, even. Right, and and just the the depth of each of those small works. Yeah. I, I think that sort of annual read idea makes absolute sense for an author of Salinger's character, caliber, type. Like all of those things together almost add up to quadrant. it for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I, 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 I can see that sort of deep reading over and over and over again of everything he has written. You know, maybe Catcher in the Rye is less frequent. <laughs> I've read Catcher in the Rye <laughs> once. And okay. I stand by that decision. Okay. I may reread it a second I, time, know, but I still stand by my decision. See, I I, I I understand that the hate that Catcher in the Rye gets, and we're not talking about Catcher in the Rye on this podcast. <laughs> we haven't, so we can't. Um, right. I, I, I don't hate Catcher in the Rye. I think it has its place. I think since reading more of Salinger, there's definitely more that is far better. I kind of think of, um, okay, so here's here's the, the, the relation to this. So my sister-in-law is a big Harry Styles sure. fan. And <laughs> she is upset that Harry Styles won a Grammy for his song Watermelon Sugar. Sure. Um, because that is not, in her opinion, his best sure. song. He has so many other great songs. In a similar way, my wife is a big Led Zeppelin fan and hates how much people like Stairway sure, to Heaven. Sure, yeah. Because there's so much better Led Zeppelin. I think you've put your... I think of Catcher in the Rye in a similar... Yes. No, I, th I think you've put your finger on exactly sort of why I uh, have had so much hate for that book historically. Um, <laughs> it is like, you know, it's a fine book. It's, it's worth reading. 
I just get angry that it sucks all the air out of the room as far as Salinger goes. Um, I, I probably said this when we read Raise High the Roof Beams, uh, and I've certainly said this to you, Michael, you know, on more than one occasion. I think we should pull Catcher in the Rye out of whatever parts of the, the high school reading curriculum mm. it occupies and replace it with Franny and Zoe. Because thematically, sure. especially as a book for younger readers, uh, Franny and Zoe does everything that Catcher in the Rye does, but it's better in every possible way. Nice. So yeah, I... Yeah, and that's, you know, it's the the official sanction that uh, yeah. the book gets. That's exactly maybe the sticking point on that. If we read all of Salinger's works regularly and all of them were taught in school or, you know even just one of even just franny and zoe was also taught or something like i i would probably feel much less antagonistic towards catcher in the rye sure but we're not talking yeah. about catcher in the rye we're not talking about catcher in the rye maybe one day <laughs> <laughs> all right um we'll go on to our next book which is revelstein by saul bellow uh and uh while we discussed that we were drinking Glenmorangie Quinta Ruben, um, yes. Glenmorangie Quinta Ruben, Quinta Ruben. I was gonna say you're not doing any better than Quinta I would Ruben. do pronouncing that. I'm pretty sure I got Glenmorangie right, but the rest I'm not sure. sure. And I have always said Glenmorangie, <laughs> and yours sounds more right. So there we go. Well, that comes from the uh, Blair Bowman. Uh, book sure. on scotch that i have where he has a pronunciation oh that's helpful for every scotch and he says glenn morangy rhymes with orange there you go so there you go sure um so okay uh glenn morangy good to ruben yes love yeah, revisit always always mm-hmm. revisit always love it's a very easy drinking scotch almost a dangerously mm-hmm. dangerously yeah. so um, I came to it when, cause one of my first scotches that I really liked was the Glenlivet 15 that I believe is finished in French wine casks, or at least that's one bottling of it. Hmm. And I really like that for what the, the wine casks added, but, uh, Kinta Rubin, uh, however you say it, um, is <laughs> finished. A, Glenmorangie is a better scotch, I think, than Glenlivet just as a base. And it's finished, I believe, in port casks. Yeah, and basically, casks. it does everything that that Glenlivet 15 does, but better. Um, so yeah. it's like if I was just, you know, didn't wanted a scotch, didn't know which one. This is one of the first ones I'd, I'd turn to just by default. Love that answer. Um, yeah, it, it. I I think if I remember right, it's kind of like a, a wine among scotches, mm-hmm. um, uh, in in the sense of this is something that I could set on the table and share and drink and just enjoy. So yeah, yeah. I'm interested in revisiting this. Um, absolutely. Uh, as for Ravelstein, um, I I've been enchanted by Saul Bellow since I took American Lit with. Um, um, Dr. Hannah, oh. uh, Dr. Robert Hannah in, in college. Um, when I read, um, I think I mentioned this when we recorded the yeah. episode. I don't know if I did for sure. Um, looking for Mr. Green, sure. uh, the short story by Saul Bellow. Um, and I read it and it struck me as a postmodern story 
that I actually really enjoyed and really loved and got a lot out of. I'm sorry, which which a lot of repeat the story one more time. Looking for Mr. Green. Thank you. And a lot of postmodern type story things. Sometimes it's just like, oh, you're just self indulgent and right. Like you're you're trying to convince me that there's something more underneath the surface, but you're just giving me a lot of surface that's it's a self important fireworks um, <laughs> for the sake of fireworks. Exactly, but looking for Mr. Green was I, I I knew there was something more to it, and after that I read Herzog by Saul Bellow, which is another novel that I want to revisit, yeah. and then Ravelstein after that, and Ravelstein is in a league of its own. Um. I've had conversations with other people about Ravelstein since reading and discussing mm. it. Uh, that it, it's been just kind of a conversation starter sure. <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, kind of just random, random individuals. But Ravelstein is one of the books um, that I've also really wanted to come back to uh, and and read again. Sure. Um, it, it's it, it's not a memoir, but it comes close. It's kind of a novelized memoir, right. fictionalized memoir. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, me. in in that sense, it's different from the rest. Uh, but like, I it, it it's a book that I think about just about every time I go to a coffee shop and <laughs> see an espresso machine. Yes. <laughs> that's that's also the, those details about the espresso machine are also like some of what stands out to me just just like one of those things that you read f- four or five years ago and it just lodges in your mind um mm-hmm. because i think i probably had just started working at the cafe that i still work at at the mm. time and uh like he got those details so right that i could like hear the espresso machine at mm-hmm. my work, like just from his words on the page. Um, yeah, I I loved Ravelstein. For me, both Ravelstein and Saul Bellow's Corpus is like the quintessential, like one I've been meaning to come back to or to explore more, and simply mm-hmm. have not done so yet. Like, yeah, I haven't reread Ravelstein. I haven't read anything else by Saul Bellow, and I desperately want to do both of those. Um, I, I want to take a class on Saul. Yeah, Bell. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if we ever that would be so interesting. If we ever change formats to like an Alzebo Soup style podcast where we go, you know, like chapter mm. by chapter or a couple chapters at a time, like I would, I would not mm-hmm. be sorry if we just turned into a Saul Bellow podcast. That'll be that'll be a spin off yes. that we do our second spin off after uh, Freddie goes to a <laughs> podcast. Uh, good um all right the next book that we discussed speaking of um breaking format we did a um this is our first non-novel and also our first non-scotch oh that's right yeah (laughs) because we discussed lost in the cosmos by walker percy while drinking uh the great northern distilleries wisconsin whiskey yes um it was, I, I, I can't remember what book we were on when I moved. I no longer live terribly close to this distillery, but I've wanted to go back to the Great Northern Distillery yeah. and pick up a 
case of something. Sure. I don't care what. I li- I've liked every single one of their liquors. So I mentioned the Loon Man uh, vodka that I'm drinking now. Their vodka at the Great Northern Dis- Distillery is another oh, right. vodka that I absolutely love. It's a potato vodka that you can kind of almost taste the earthiness of sure. the potatoes. Um, oh, it's so good. Anyway, that's not what we're yeah. talking about. Uh, the Wisconsin whiskey. Uh, would you revisit, or how interested are you in revisiting? Very Wisconsin interested whiskey. with a caveat about how scared I am. <laughs> because, as I remember, <laughs> this, and this may have had to do with how we were recording too, but um, this yeah. whiskey, as I remember, got me the most, uh, what the kids call, turnt out of... <laughs> any of our whiskeys or yeah pro- like probably the single most turned i got um and i think it was because like we were recording two episodes at a time later we would switch to four at a time uh so like we had that two episode block to get through however much of the whiskey we got through and as i remember we got through a lot more of it of this one than like we usually did with any given scotch because it was so easy to drink and so smooth and so nice. Mm-hmm. And as I recall, I, um, after our, our two hour record, uh, I stumbled out into your living room, uh, cuddled with your Rottweiler for approximately five minutes, <laughs> kissed you on the forehead, and then went to sleep. <laughs> and that is like which i refused because i this you know this is like this is probably why the drink responsibly warning got into our introduction i think this is what i was gonna say this is what i remember about this is that it was after this episode that we put that into our that sounds exactly right responsibly bit was be directly because of great northern distilleries wisconsin which i which i say um You know, as a caveat that, like, I know this is bad, but this is the only time I've lost, like, memory. Because, like, I have no, I have, well, I now have, like, I think, you know, sometimes you don't remember it right away and then you, you recover a little bit later. At the time, I was told that you said that I had kissed you on the head and I had no memory of that. So I refused to believe it. And I interviewed Karen and your wife extensively uh karen insisted that i had done it your wife was a a little bit more circumspect um anyway it's it's dangerously good it is dangerously good yes um oh yes okay i yeah i and i i already gave the gave it away that i i want to revisit anything from yeah yeah, distillery the wisconsin whiskey is so good um yeah i want i want more of it um as for uh lost in the cosmos by walker percy so this is our first non-novel ethan and it was um your pick yeah Uh, this is another book that i try to reread every year um mm -hmm. i did it this year i think i did it last year i had probably skipped a couple three years before that but i've read this book more times than like most of the other books i've ever read in my life um Mm -hmm. I love this book. I adore this book. I don't, I don't ever feel like I do a good job discussing this book. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I really, the only way I think I'd ever do a discussion of this book again is if, is if I was doing Alzebo soup, if we were going through Mm. section by section, question by question, and really unpacking like everything about it. 
Um, That'd be an interesting project. I'm I'm legitimately, I've been so tempted multiple times to honestly do that project. And I say this partly because, like, I'm looking at our timestamps here. We spent a total of, we went way over time both episodes and spent a total of, (laughs) like, two and a half hours on this book. And I remember feeling like we hadn't scratched the surface. And even that I didn't understand it enough to scratch the surface. Um, And then earlier this year, I got the, what was really a lovely, you know, chance and privilege of leading sort of a a Skype, you know, book discussion kind of thing um, that agreed to indulge me and work through, um, work through Lost in the Cosmos. And, you know, we did that over the course of several weeks. And even then I felt like we were moving far too quickly. Um, You know, Mm. we do, we do say depending, you know, on the part of the book we were in, sometimes three or four sections in a night, but I felt like even some of those two-page sections in it, we could have just done an entire hour discussion on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is a, a, you know, that that sort of, you know, Alzebo Soup-esque in-depth discussion of this could make an interesting mini-series of specials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway... Um, yeah, so, th- and, and th- okay, I have not reread this um, since we read it for the podcast, but it is one that I've been interested to. Sure. Uh, in fact, there was a, a friend who was thinking about starting kind of a book club, uh, informal book club, and was asking, you know, what books would be good to discuss? And this was the first one that came sure. to mind yeah. um, for me to, to recommend to him um, and to I haven't heard any more about him getting that sort of thing off the ground. He's got a lot of projects, but um, I, I hope that yeah. happens because I want to do that again. Sure. Um, after that, um, you know, we had our, our drink responsibly yes. note for the podcast. And that is when we then uh, discussed uh, And the Mountains Echoed by Khaled Hosseini. While discussing Long Row Peated Campbelltown Campbelltown Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, yeah. So Long Row, yes. <laughs> and um, I, I gave my I gave my evaluation of this earlier accidentally, so it's like that. That's it. Like I gave it a low-ish rating at the time, but every once in a while, I feel like I want to get another bottle of it and at least have it around and have a few drams from it. Sure. Um. I honestly don't remember much about this one. All I remember um, you saying about this one is that it was a pretty basic scotch, except there was a single blueberry somewhere okay. in the in the taste. <laughs> and you rated okay. You were gonna rate it a three, and you rated it a three point five because of that single blueberry. Because of I the don't know why I remember that, and cannot remember like your first scotch that you gave five stars to. But yeah. Okay, you know solely because of. That specific rating, I need to. I need to revisit it. I need to drink this again, either so that I understand what I said. Either one of us will bring it and, again, or like I'll just get a bottle, and then when you're over, we can. Yeah, we'll do that. We can have one. Uh, and the mountains um, echoed. Yes, that was my pick, uh, Khaled Hosseini. I had read uh, his other two books previous to this and thought they were getting better. Sure. Um, Kite Runner, I thought was fine. Um, you know, pretty good. Um, some of it was, eh. um, but I, you know, pretty good overall. 
Um, and then A Thousand Splendid Sons, I thought was fantastic. Sure. And I thought, okay, if he's got that exponential of a curve from like fine to wow, sure. let's read the next sure. one. Um, what I remember of And the Mountains Echoed, I, I think it was kind of a step back from A Thousand Splendid Sons. Sure. Um, uh, I have not revisited this. I because of the way I remember that, I have been far more interested in revisiting um, A Thousand Splendid Suns sure. than And the Mountains Echoed. Um, but I might, I might read it again. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, th- this is this is maybe the first of of my picks that I was relatively disappointed sure. in. This this may <laughs> not, not entirely disappointed. It was good. Sure. Uh, but I was hoping for a lot more. My expectations were a lot higher. This may also be the first one where uh, we flipped the dynamic from and then we came to the end, where you definitely liked it a lot mm. more than I did. Um, like, you mm. agreed with me with some of my criticisms, but I I feel like I was pretty harsh on this book, which I may have been set up to do because I also didn't like the Kite Runner. Um okay. Like, the one thing I do love from Hosseini's work, and those are the two, like, I've been interested in a thousand splendid sons but kind of cautious like kind of reticent i guess um but the thing i love from hosseini's work is you know this this ground level view of uh that area of the world which we don't have a ton of especially from the modern you know in the modern era the the Mm -hmm. recent era we don't have a ton of stories getting told in english in such an accessible way to like you know dumb white boys like us that you know like Mm -hmm. and i love that about it um i just don't like any any of the things about it that make it a story or a novel like (laughs) sure then the mountains echoed is like my go-to example of the cheap um narrative trick where it's like you have like 50 pages where you get to know some characters and then a really emotional torque a moment full of emotional torque happens and then it's like you cut to it's like 18 years later and there's there is like an emotional yep. like uh thing that happens but it's like so manipulative and so cheap that i reject it's it contrived. yeah yeah um which it, it, uh, it falls into that rule that like you don't it, it, it's not that you don't like your emotions being manipulated it's just that you don't like no exactly it. which is exactly the same thing you said in the other example that i'm trying to think of um lighthouse australia uh, um lighthouse um uh, the light light between light oceans. between oceans thank you uh i was like <laughs> lighthouse australia uh <laughs> movie with my wife's lady crush in it um uh <laughs> whose name i now can't remember so uh oh. alicia vikander was in the movie and she's like my wife's you know lady lady crush i don't know i don't i can't think of a better way to say that anyway um i think light between oceans did a similar thing where which first of all you we you said that sentence about light between oceans of like it's not that you don't like having your emotions manipulated it's that you don't like noticing it um right and i think that book and 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 the mountains i code probably gave me similar you know similar vibes similar rejection reasons um sure yeah now i i have not really i i have not re-listened to a single episode of our podcast i've listened to every episode sure. but i have not re-listened 
Um, Still doing better than me. I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing that uh, in you know I, I mentioned that I'm somewhat disappointed in *In the Mountains Echoed*, and that goes for there. There are other books that we've discussed in the five years of our podcast yeah. that I've been disappointed in, but my effort in coming to the podcast, especially early on, I've I've maybe become a little harsher in my old right. age. Um, but especially early on and throughout, I, I've tried to come to it trying to find what the discussion points right. are. How can I legitimately talk about the strengths of the sure. novel? Um, and so I, I expect that I had a lot more positive to say about it in the recording itself, sure. even while being... I think that even came up as early as like then we came to the end. You said a lot of nice things about that book, even though by okay. the end of the episode, you you know, when we came to the end, sure. you made it clear that you know you were not completely enamored yeah. of it. So that makes that makes sense yeah. to me. Um. So uh, after that, we we started having some specials. Uh, we don't need to talk about those. Sure. Um. But the next main book that we discussed was Plain Song by. Kent Haruff while drinking Brucladic Scottish Barley, the classic Lottie, um, which I think actually in the recording I said that's probably a hint to the pronunciation of Brucladic, which might be Brucladic. Sure, Brucladic, that would make sense from what little Lottie. I know of uh, the pronunciation involved. Sure. Um, also, also, can I say just uh, looking at the 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 boxes and the covers of of the books and the scotches all the way up through this we did a really good job of matching at least the visual <laughs> yeah components <laughs> of these um that's, yeah that's really true a large Even chunk of this um, raise eye of the roof beams uh with right? um it's got that the white delwini both yeah uh, it's very clean very like white back yeah that's fascinating i mean right and we did yeah. that on purpose and are very clever Totally, totally intentionally. Um, so I, I, uh, I don't necessarily remember buying the individual bottles of a lot of this, these scotches, but for this Brucladi, uh, I remember buying this one. It was at, um, oh, what was the store? It was in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, a grocery store there. Um, I don't remember which, which grocery store it was but in the liquor store sure. there. And I remember as I was buying it, I was behind another guy who was buying two separate bottles of scotch. Um, one was Dalhwini 15 and another one. And uh, he turned to me and saw that I was buying scotch and he was asking my opinion sure. on scotch uh, based on it because he had to impress his father-in-law <laughs> who likes drinking scotch. <laughs> and so... Um, so that's why this one stands sure. out to me. Um, so, Ethan, Brucladi, how interested are you in revisiting? Um, I don't really remember what I thought about it at all. Uh, sure. Which, you know, might be a recurring theme, especially in these older ones. But, like, some of these I remember very distinctly and some I just don't. Um, so I would revisit it on that basis, you know, at least. At least, like, if I were at a whiskey mm -hmm. bar, I'd buy, buy a dram of it and see see what I think about it now that I right. have more experience. Right, and there, there, there are more um, from this distillery um, that I, I am interested to try. Sure. I, I would be interested in trying this one again um, and drinking some more. 
um, from. Do you remember what you um, thought of it? Were you super impressed by it at the time? I think I remember okay. liking it. I don't remember it being super standout, but I th- I think I remember it being fairly good. Sure, sure. Um, that's that's about it. Three point five. I, I will maybe. say, yeah, three point five, maybe four. Um, but what I will say is that "Plain Song" by Cantoruff certainly overshadowed oh my gosh, whatever I was yes. drinking. Um, that's that's another one of these books that uh, just broke yeah. me. <laughs> Um, and I have wanted to read the sequel and the rest of the trilogy yes. uh, of of Plain Song. I think I have your copy of Benediction, the third. I think you might have given uh, it back to me. In the trilogy, did I yeah. give it back? Okay, you're well, you're welcome good. to have it again. Um, but I, I I I I'd like to have it. Um, at some point. Um, but I have Even Song, the second book, on my oh, shelf, sure. and it's just it's been taunting <laughs> me. I need to read that. Book. Sure. Um. This, this is one of those books that's so... It, it's written in such a plain yeah. uh, way, which I'm pretty sure we pointed that out in the actual we recording um, of that episode, that eh, uh, it, it's it's just a simple, plain story. And it's... Okay, here's another thing that that book made me want to do was go travel to Colorado. Sure. And weirdly, um, and just weirdly, what it makes you want to do is travel to yeah. Eastern Colorado, where it is the plains. Yes. Like, usually, right. that's the part of Colorado you skip if you're a tourist. You go to, straight to the mountains. But who is who is t- someone was telling me that they were driving through Colorado, uh, like from Arizona to Minnesota or something sure. like that, and like they took a wrong turn and wound up driving through the boring part of Colorado. <laughs> And I said, boy, have I got a right. book for you. Well, Ken, Ken Taruff is kind of like uh, Bill Holm, who's, we, we read some of his essays oh, yes. in a special. And Bill Holm is the only person who is capable of making me feel like the Minnesota Prairie has any potential to be a beautiful place. Um, like, when I'm reading yes. some of those essays in The Music of Failure, and he describes, like, the prairie at night or whatever, like... As I'm in the middle of reading that, I'm like, oh, wait, was I completely wrong about how I felt about uh-huh. Minnesota Prairie? Have I, like, did I mess up? Uh, and then I close the essay and, and I remember all of my actual experiences driving on the Minnesota Prairie. And I'm like, <laughs> absolutely not. But, you know, there's there's that magic there. And and I think Kent Haruff is is similar for Eastern Colorado. Like, he just, you know, he, he makes it beautiful uh in a in a way that's almost incomprehensible to me it's certainly mind-boggling i i, I believe that it, it, well and this is where we disagree a little bit we're not talking about the specials here so we won't talk much about sure. the home but I, I i will say i grew up on in some of the sections that bill holm is talk grew up is maybe a generous sure. term um but you know i spent some of uh, some chunk of my childhood in the plains sure. of minnesota um, and so I, I do appreciate it in a, in the way Bill Holmes, Bill Holmes describes it. Um, and so I, I think that's part of what attracts plain song to me from sure. Kent Huff that it, it, it reminds me of the Minnesota plains and what enchants me about sure. them in a similar way. Um, but that's, I don't know. I, 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 I I respect that Bill Holm has written that stuff, and I don't need to do it for him. <laughs> <Right>. So, <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there's that. Plain Song again. I think I've reread it since. 
I had certainly read it. Okay. I think our my read for the podcast I, was my second. I think I read it a third time. I think so. I, I think actually this was one of the books that you read right before the podcast, like right right before yeah. bringing it. You read Plain Song, said I need to bring this to the podcast, brought it to the podcast, read and read it again. It again. Yeah. Um, I have also read the other two books in the trilogy. Is the second one? Even, okay. Is it Even Song? The second one. Even Song. Yeah. Plain Song. No, Even Even Tide. Plain Song. Even Tide. Benediction. Benediction. And I've read the other two books yeah. in the trilogy once, and they're like, okay, ten percent less good than Plain Song, I would say. But that is. That's see. That's that's the biggest obstacle yeah. to me reading them. Is like Plain Song was so good. Anything else in the trilogy i'm expecting it to be a step but when i say 10 percent less good like we're still operating at an incredibly high level like if if either of those books had been you know the one i read and i had never read plain song or plain song hadn't existed i would be on this podcast right now raving about whichever of those books it was so like very much worth reading still if I if I read Play and Song again, I might just do a, a reread of the entire trilogy. Honestly, all right. So, that yeah, that's respectable. <laughs> um, all right, we had that. So that marks pretty much our first year of oh, yeah. books uh, on the podcast because then we had a couple of specials right over our first anniversary. Right. Um, and so, okay, here's here here's how I want to um, talk about each year. Um, Ethan, pick one book from the first year's discussions. What is the one book uh, that you would say is the the best? Of, oh my of gosh! On a year when we had "Till We Have Faces," "Raised High the Roof Beams," "Ravelstein," "Lost in the Cosmos," and "Plain Song." Yep. Why? <laughs> you didn't tell me you were gonna hurt me. I did not tell you I was going to do this to you. Holy crap. <laughs> um, probably if I had to pick out of that. Mm-hmm. And you do. I think probably Lost in the Cosmos with Till We Have Faces as yeah. like a very close second. So there, um, I cheated. I got to go with good i I gotta go with till we have faces thank you um even though i'm very tempted by east of eden ravelstein lost in the cosmos yeah even you know all the ones that even east of eden and south of the border Um, too like right south of the border um yeah oh my gosh but no i've got to go with till we have faces um year one till we have faces till we have faces is the best best book we discussed starting year two we discuss um uh, uh how the house of special purpose by john yes. boyne um and again we broke from the scotch and you fed us uh some cocktails yeah. with the base of rittenhouse rye yeah um i don't want to talk about that because i'm way better at making cocktails now than i was then so uh okay. that's all kind all right. of embarrassing i still love rittenhouse rye it's it's a good sip and rye it's a great cocktail base um good. i don't know what do you remember about those don't say anything that embarrasses me i i remember this being you know second worst to the wisconsin whiskey oh just as far as like <laughs> outcomes yes <laughs> yes because didn't we have like three yeah and i had planned for four through this um 
Yeah. Yeah, that no, I remember like two this now. Per episode or something like that. Yeah. And, and and like that that was that was not that was not suitable for no. Me. In, like <laughs> and you know again this is this is maybe not great reflection on my relationship with alcohol but like four cocktails in two hours has always been a quite doable amount for me um sure real but like i've discovered i can well i don't know i get you know the older you get you slow down like two cocktails for two hours seems like a perfectly valid amount to me now um right and and in retrospect i should have just done that but i had i was experimenting a lot and i we were young that yeah (laughs) And also, I was, like, experimenting a lot, and I wanted to, like, have you guys try, right. you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, a thing that should be mentioned or, you know, is that... Maybe even, like, half-size cocktails. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the other thing I should... But then it was like, do, how do I, like... How do... I must have mixed yeah. during the record. I don't know. It was a wild time. Um, I will say... I. Well, my wife was on this Yes, one. that's what I was going to say, is, like... Okay. My chagrin at the cocktail memories aside, I do have a very good memory of this episode, which is having your wife as a special guest, um, and that yes. was that was very excellent and enjoyable. Yes, because she loves this book. Yes, um, and and I think everything she's read by John Boyne, she has loved. Sure. Um, he wrote the the boy in the striped pajamas. Oh, I forgot that um, that was him. Which. Yes, and, and I think we mentioned on the podcast that was one of that was a date that we went on to watch this movie, <laughs> um, and like we died after watching that movie. We we were dead in the sure. theater. We we sat there through the whole credits, and then maybe for a couple minutes after, just like what just happened. Right. And you know, through the credits, we also learned that it was based on a book. So we immediately went and bought <laughs> that book and read it. Um, and then started looking for other things by John sure. Boyne. Came upon this one again, destroyed us. Um, so a- as for the written house rye, I don't remember the whiskey specifically. I remember liking the cocktails and wishing that I could have enjoyed them more. <laughs> if um, you didn't have me with a funnel over your open it... mouth, just force feeding you <laughs> cocktails, yeah, right. Um, but no, so I'd be interested in revisiting. Sure. As for the house of special purpose. Um, no, it's such a good book, and I need to. Th- this was the second time I, I read it, and I need to read it again. And I've looked through it. I, I, I I've opened this book since and flipped yeah. through it, um, just like finding passages and and bits and pieces here and there. I think I attempted to reread it again sure. once, um, but it was in the midst of reading other things in a very busy time, and so I didn't actually finish it. Um, but uh, it reminded me of something. Or something else reminded me of it recently, and I don't remember what that is. I mean, it came up on our first um, paragraph challenge, and I mentioned, right. you know, the the opening line is a clear reference to Anna Karenina. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that triggers anything. Right. Um, eh, it wasn't that. Sure. I, I really know. loved. I really well. Yeah, I really loved this book. It was, you know, very much to me that historical fiction idea, which has. There were certainly thematic things and plot and character things that we could tease out, but it really did a good job of, like, creating that illusion of um, mm. being in a alien historical time and historical place. Um, I think mm-hmm. Boyne is really skilled on that level. I also, like, do want to mention that we fought a duel during 
Yes, we did. During this recording. In between the two episodes. Somehow I had offended Sarah's honor, and so you... I don't remember what you so, did. Or so, it was yeah, something like that, somehow. or... I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it ended up with us getting to the end of the first episode and saying, all right, we have to go fight a duel now. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> and then you and I went out into my living room, and I, we, I, had, I happened to have, you know, two of the same... It was like a single-shot Nerf blaster... Yeah, and we did our, our 10 paces. Uh, we had Karen turn around so that she could have deniability. Um, mm-hmm. And then we shot each other. And I did win, because like, your your shot shanked wide, yep. and I, I just got you. Um, so then you were dead, yep. and that was pretty unfortunate. I was dead. Yep. yep. Uh, I, I think I, I waited in the second episode. I think I waited until someone said resurrection well, or something before I came back Sarah to Sarah and I did a very clever thing. Um and by yeah. Sarah and I, I do mean Sarah. Like, I, I was just yes-anding mm-hmm. her lead. But we we had talked about the one character's name being Anastasia, um, mm-hmm. which, of course, means resurrection. Names with Michael. There you go. Uh, and, like, yep. Sarah led us through, like, a, a, a recap of that discussion. And then, yeah, when we got to either the name Anastasia or or to explaining the, you know that that meant resurrection that's when mm-hmm. you came back to life it was all very clever um it was it was we were yeah. very smart sarah especially <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah that was our second guest uh on the podcast um kicking off our yeah. second year of the podcast after that we came to a borrowed man by gene wolf uh which we discussed while drinking the McAllen fine oak triple cask matured 10 year yes. scotch um so for the McAllen here, Ethan, revisit. I'm yeah. interested. That's yeah. That's my whole review. Me too. It wasn't bad, but it. Um. I, yeah. Well, it's a ten-year-old scotch. Yeah, that's fair. Which, like, since this since this time, I I think my reaction to ten-year scotches is. I'm gonna look for something. Yes, first. <laughs> there are there are maybe a couple um, ten. I mean, Lafroy ten year, like Lafroy ten, which it's still a ten, like we yeah just had that recently. It's still yeah a ten year yeah. Old I was scotch. surprised. It's a good ten year old scotch, but it's still just ten. And years as old. we said on that that recent episode, like I was surprised how ten years old it tasted. Now you know, four or five years into this mm-hmm. show, right? So yeah, so that's 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 a thing yeah. there. Um. I'll try other McKellen's. Um, I think McKellen 18 is one of the priciest scotches you can yeah. find just in most liquor stores. I think I've had a McKellen um, 15 maybe that was pretty good. But okay. I only had like a dram of it, so I don't remember a whole lot about it. Sure. Uh, borrowed sure. Man. Well, I honestly, I am surprised to see it coming up this old. Sure in the podcast this soon it, it feels so much more yeah, recent <laughs> i agree and I, I recently read um what is presumably gene wolf's last novel consider it was published a year or yeah. so after he died um which is oh shoot interlibrary loan thank you yes yeah, so it's a direct sequel to a borrowed mm-hmm. man and I was surprised for having read A Borrowed Man so long ago how much of it I recalled just from like yeah 
the you know the, i mean and gene wolf does not do the thing that so much science fiction and fantasy does where it's like okay this is book two so on page five we're gonna have the characters sit down and re-explain the plot <laughs> of book one to each other since you forgot right but i i don't feel like i needed that for a borrowed man no absolutely not well it's it's so gene wolfy anyway yes <laughs> um and this is the first gene wolf on the podcast how long was it before we talked about some of his stories it, it was a while it was a while um, i i was glad we did this one when we did because it was before i had discovered alzebo soup mm-hmm. or the fact that there are two other gene wolf close reading podcasts that yep. exist uh so i felt like I, you know if we had done any if we had done this or another one afterwards i might have felt like we were hor- horning in on someone yeah. else's territory but um but our conclusion was sort of that you like you need an Alzebo Soup style podcast to really do this one justice. Absolutely, a, a podcast where you you know went chapter by chapter, spent right, a lot more time on it than we did. But the, it just I makes think we sense did why there are all those Gene Wolf in depth podcasts out there. Right, I do think we did you know a pretty good job for yes. a two hour discussion. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, absolutely. But it's another one that you know, like all Gene Wolf, I want to come back and read again. But first, I need to read the rest of Gene Wolf. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then come back. Yeah, I, it was, was this. I think this was the second thing by Gene Wolf I ever read. The first being Peace, which you just thrust into my hands and said, "Read this." <laughs> yes. Um. So that's a thing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, after that, uh, we discussed A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle while drinking Glen Goyne 12 Year. Um, yes. And this it, this comes right at the point. This was the last book we discussed before I moved. Mm. Um, it, it was a, we were packing at this time. So sure. Um, while while we recorded these episodes, uh, we that's right. So then, process. as a as a programming note, um. We start to change scotches every four episodes instead of every two yep. because we started recording the episodes in four hour blocks, which considering some of the stories we've told about um, post recording shenanigans was probably a good change. Absolutely a good call. You know, generally, even without the like necessity of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, A Wrinkle in Time also notable because... Uh, my wife was on this one. Yes, and you know uh, it's honestly surprising to me that our our wives' guest appearances are so close together. Yeah, I yeah. I, I don't think I remembered that that they were just yeah, like and I don't I don't think it was apart. intentional. <laughs> no, uh, Karen just has always adored a wrinkle in time, and it just mm. made perfect sense to um yeah. to have her on for it. Right, right. Um, uh, yes. And I think, you know, it was, A Wrinkle in Time was one of those that I wanted to bring to the podcast for quite a while, but sure. never was sure when to bring it. And sure. at the time when I was starting to pack and think about moving seemed to make good sense that <laughs> this is <laughs> sure. a, a shorter book that, you know, I know a, a lot of my feelings about anyway. So sure. I, if I if I don't read quite as closely while I go through it, it's that's going to be OK. I, I yeah. still feel like I did a, a fair fair shake i i think i remember thinking our discussion of that one was was really good yeah i I mean once we we had the format of the two episodes already and here's a short book that we can do that with we can get really in depth about it Um, right that's a that's a strength that we've got um as for the glen goyne 12 year 
uh, revisit? Uh, yeah, it's it's become one of my old reliable scotches. Okay. Like, it's not, it's you know, for the price that it's at and the quality that it's at, it's like a a really good if I just need a scotch. Hmm. So like I buy I I I've bought I bought probably a handful of bottles. That I think that was maybe my first time buying it, but I've probably bought a handful of bottles since then. Very good. I I honestly don't remember too much about it. Um Sure. But I'm also having a hard time thinking of any scotch that I wouldn't be willing right. to revisit. Right. Um there there are certainly others that if I saw them on the shelf next to this, I would be more inclined towards that one probably just simply because I don't remember for sure yeah. anything about this one but i'd try it sure um so then we had a the a stretch uh of moving specials oh that's um, right uh and then we discussed the ocean at the end of the lane by neil gaiman while drinking the dalmar 12 year scotch yes which again is a it, this is a thin book that we had both read so very appropriate and very helpful for me in the midst <laughs> of my move um so i appreciate you for picking that <laughs> it was another one of those ones that i'd been meaning to bring myself yeah. and i was like oh okay a short mm-hmm. one that i've been meaning to bring that feels appropriate for for this situation Good. um i do believe that this is the one where we like accidentally insulted neil gaiman and made him right? angry at us forever even right. though he did retweet he both retweeted. of our at least the first episode i think at least the episodes. first one yeah yeah um yeah so that was that was fun um so these episodes are historically why we apologize to neil gaiman every time he comes up going forward i don't even remember what we said but i don't know either it's a oh no it was it was in the next episode because we said ellen foster could beat up neil gaiman oh that's right that's what it is so if if like he was still listening at that point he stopped anyway ocean at the end of the lane is a great book (laughs) So good, so good. And I derailed um, us, and then I re-railed us. That's okay. Uh, th- this is this is one set of episodes that I have recommended to people, um, like when they find out that I that I do a podcast about books. Um, sure. I, I I've recommended this set of episodes in particular because I feel like Neil Gaiman is approachable, um, while also yeah. having a great deal of in-depth discussion that a person can have on his work and the ocean at the end of the lane is a short book also altogether i think this is a perfect recipe for a really approachable set of episodes i also think that it was like the point that we kind of hit our stride as far as what we were doing which historically takes every podcast one to three years so you Mm -hmm. know we're about we're about on track there but i just feel like there's there's certainly from our 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 earlier oeuvre um mm. there's episodes that would be fine to listen to but this is the one where i i started to feel like okay you know i know what this show is more or less right. at this point right absolutely um the dalmore ethan how do you feel about revisiting it <laughs> i have no memory of the dalmore I don't either. Uh, this like I'm looking at the box and I'm like I I vaguely remember having like I that remember drinking it box, but I yeah. I think I remember really liking because it, it's got the the the, the metal um, stag uh, yeah. thing imprinted on the glass bottle itself. I don't remember what it tasted like. I don't remember right. drinking it exactly. Same. 
I think I remember liking it. Um, so just for that, I, like, what did I think about this? I needed to try it again. Right. <laughs> I like, I, I just looked it up just to see if anything would jog my memory on the internet. Mm. And the Whiskey Wash website says the Dalmore Distillery, well, blah, blah, blah. It's a Highland Scotch, so that's part of why I don't remember okay. it. Um, oh, some anyway, I lost where it was, but somewhere in there it said, like, the Dalmore, no, known for its iconic stag's head on the bottle. So, like, even the professional <laughs> whiskey reviewers only remember the stag's head. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> good. Um, so, okay, while, while still drinking the Dalmore, we discussed Ellen Foster by Kay yes. Gibbons. Uh, which I remember very distinctly describing as um, Huck Finn, but without the river. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it uh, I, I bought the book because in the local bookstore in, um, uh, was it Wapaka? Um, or Stevens Point, somewhere up there. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, I, I, I found two copies on the shelf next <laughs> to each other. Yes. And I was like, okay, um, let me read the back flap here. And okay, that sounds interesting. I, I'm really interested in this. I'm already sold. And then also on the front, oh, this is uh, uh, promoted by Walker Percy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. I had forgotten about that. So uh, had to, had to, had to go with it. Um, and again, it's a slim book. Uh, so we had two of them side by side that we discussed at, at the same time or back to back um same record same record yeah uh and so that was um that, that was that was helpful uh yeah. just in the, the meta aspect of the podcast um but no ellen foster man i this this is another one that uh was three years ago yeah three and a half years ago we discussed yeah. that i i need to read this again man yeah this. i still remember parts of that more vividly than i remember more recent books that i've read mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure uh <clears throat> i was gonna say something else about it yeah well and it was another one it was like i want to say less than 150 pages long yeah um we could have spent four episodes on it easily absolutely absolutely easily. but we hadn't gotten to our manga books yet except Next. that's the next one is our first mongo book next was our mongo books which you know the mongo books um were uh, started in part because of my move and because oh, right. of our four episode um recording program yeah um that that's that's it, it you know part of it was just practical that we had to right. do it that way um right. so our first mongo book was don quixote by Miguel de Cervantes, uh, which we discussed while drinking the Balvenie Caribbean Cask 14-year. Yes. Scotch. Uh, so I'll ask you about the scotch first. How do you feel about revisiting? The love, always, always love. I absolutely. I think I think I remember it being real good, and I, I, that, need, to, I need to come back. That Caribbean Cask, that rum cask finish, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. smooths out everything without sweetening it too much. Yeah. that it just makes it so easy to drink right. and just so upsettingly upsettingly good um yes yeah it's it's a little bit pricey as far as my budget goes but it's like 
if I make, you know, if I decide to to indulge, it's like, oh, this was this was a good decision. Right. Um yeah, yeah. I I you know, I think I've come across a few other rum cask scotches since um and I just, you know, that's kind of a good combination. Yeah, uh, for a lot it of is. scotches it's is very just true. to have them finished in um in rum casks. Um, for true. Don Quixote, uh, I, I think this is kind of the perfect choice for our first Mongo book. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, so many ways. Many and various ways. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it started its own era on our podcast. There, I think just about every book since has in some way come back to Don Quixote. Yes. Whether we've said it out loud or not. Yes. <laughs> And if it hasn't come back to Don Quixote, it's come back to Tristram Shandy. Yes, which in including its own ones way has come back to Don Quixote. Well, yeah, absolutely. Oh. That's yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, so it's yes, uh, and and th- th- these are another set of episodes that I want to re-listen to, just to hear what we discussed and to think more about the book as I want sure. to read it again. Sure. Uh, you know, it's a Mongo book. It's a big, big book, but it's I, I need to read this book again. There's so much to it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And there's also so much uh, in the world that discusses this book. Th- this is a discussion that I want to be a part of. I right. want to hear more and talk with people more about Don Quixote. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And... Uh... Like, I don't know, you know, this was the second time I'd read Don Quixote. I haven't reread it since, though I'm mm-hmm. always intending to. Um, but I remember, like, both times that I read it, it was like, you know, it's an 1,100-page book. The first 900-plus pages are like, I'm making fun of this man. Uh, and then it's like, those last 100, 100 150 pages are like, this man is dying and I'm devastated. The the last thing I want to say about Don Quixote. Yes. Jumping right back in here. Did is... you hear my my thing about being devastated? Yes. yes okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And that's that's absolutely true. Um good. Well, yeah. <laughs> it destroys you uh, in a beautiful yeah. wonderful way. In a way that makes you need to start over almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the last thing I want to say about Don Quixote is that I think I texted you about this. I recently discovered the kids show on PBS called Donkey Hody. Um, I don't think you did text me about this. Did I not? It's like, you know, think so. that, like it, it's not exactly like Sesame Street style, but like puppets. And there's this yeah. donkey puppet whose name is Hody sure. and Donkey Hody. I think it's a girl. I think she, it's a she, she lives in a windmill. Sure. And I haven't actually watched anything too extensively about it, but I need to. Yeah. And I need to know what, what's happening, what's going on. Because that's brilliant. Sure. Just, just that, like, let's have a kid's show called Donkey Hody, where the donkey lives in a windmill. I don't care where you go from there. That's great. <laughs> well, and that's always the best types of kid shows, genuinely speaking, is like uh-huh. when like they have those jokes in them that are things the kids will not understand until they are much older and they're like thinking back like, wait a second. What? Yeah. 
Yeah. The only other thing I want to say about Don Quixote is that it incepted an idea that um, both I've gotten both from us and from another podcast called Overdue. That's another book podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And both podcasts um, note us first uh, have accused everyone who has read Don Quixote of only reading the first 50 pages because Mm -hmm. of about page 50 is when you get to the windmill mm-hmm. um and that's like where wishbone you know sort of focuses yep. that's like where everybody sort of focuses and i Including think it was donkey hody yeah um in this podcast overdue in their tom sawyer episode they pointed out that the thing that people pull out of tom sawyer to read in or to to you know dramatize or whatever mm-hmm. is like the fence scene yes the, you know which is an extremely good scene but it's also like chapter four it's like mm-hmm. 30 pages into the book um so we've been forming like between us without any of us knowing who the others were necessarily without actually communicating <laughs> yes uh we've been forming this like conspiracy theory that like people just read the first 15 percent of classic novels and like to prove that they've done so they you know they pull something out um which i'm thinking about because i recently uh read a translation of herodotus's histories Mm. um and i discovered that like the three stories that i've always heard like used Mm. proverbially in other contexts all occur within the first hundred pages of this like (laughs) 600 page book (laughs) Um, oh marvelous the whole you know call no man happy until he's dead that's on like page 25 Mm. uh i can't remember the other examples but they were both literally less than 100 pages in so disgusting yeah there you go anyway on this uh, podcast we're above that (laughs) okay so um after that that being our first uh, Mongo book. Then uh, we started into the next segment by discussing Station Eleven by Emily Sinjin Mandel while drinking Isla Storm. Um, and this this discussion crosses over into our second anniversary. Oh, that's right. Um, right in December of 2018. Um, Isla Storm, Ethan. Interest in revisiting don't remember probably would just buy a different isla you know rather than that i like islas but i don't nothing about my memory makes it stand out yeah i think i remember it intriguing me more than the drinking of it actually accomplished yeah um i i I wanted something more intense out of it and it was not that yeah it tasted like a 10-year yeah, yeah. I don't think it, it had an age. I don't no, think it, it had an age, age statement, but um, it just you know is that where it's like there's some promise here, but it just hasn't been developed enough. Yeah, it needed to develop. It needed more age. Yeah. Um, Station Eleven, however. Yes. Oh, I, I I thought I was setting you up to to lead into it, but I'll just oh, say I was it. gonna let you because it's this was your pick. This is true. Um, I was going to do something corny about like Station Eleven was aged perfectly or something. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Station Eleven just like, I think actually both Station Eleven and Things Not Seen um, Mm. both have 
like scenes or even just lines in them that like crystallized in my mind more than many things i've read before or since hmm. um they're both just bangers uh in their own mm-hmm. ways um yeah but yeah great like i i it's one of those things i can either talk about station 11 for two more hours or just say mm-hmm. it's amazing and you should read it and see this this is another one where i remember you liked station 11 a lot more than i did sure um i i liked it i definitely liked it i enjoyed the book a whole lot and there's so much there but i didn't think it was quite as groundbreaking as i wanted it to be yeah um which maybe is an unfair analysis on my part i i want to revisit it i want to read it again and see what i might think about it but um if i had to guess i would guess that i would like it less a second time and you would like it more that's fair that's a fair that's that's just my gut instinct about it i could see that definitely because it's like Um, even reading it the first time i understood aspects of it that you know someone like me might have liked less but i thought the things it did well it did so well that they sort of overrode mm -hmm. those other things yeah um station 11 i will say was our first uh foray into discussing the tempest by william oh that's right that's right. Um, which I don't think we discussed again um, until October. <laughs> um, of this year? Uh, no, of 2019. Okay. So 10 months later. Yes, um, because we actually read The Tempest for a special. We actually, yeah. Uh, and then I, we I read this. I think I expected the stretch to be quite that far, though. Sure. Yeah, it seems uh, it seems closer to me too. In yeah. My my retrospect, um, but just to follow that thread, since we're not mm-hmm. really talking about specials, we read Station Eleven, we read The Tempest, we read The Sea and the Mirror, both mm-hmm. as specials. Um, sea and the Mirror by W. H. Auden. Uh, what was the next one? Um, next was um, Dream of Perpetual Motion. Oh, the Dream of Perpetual Motion, uh, except. After recording for The Dream of Perpetual Motion, we realized that we had also recorded Gene Wolfe's, for another special, Gene Wolfe's story, The Death of Dr. Island, which Mm -hmm. we absolutely failed, both of us, to realize was also The Tempest. Also The Tempest, yes. (laughs) Which is just infuriating. It is infuriating. But here we are. We need to go and re-record a second edition of that episode. (laughs) Um, All right, so... Honestly... As a, as an idea for a special, I would like doing a, a more focused retrospective about like mm. why the Tempest comes up so much, both in literature and in literature we're interested in. Like mm-hmm. that could be a thing. That could be. I'm having ideas already, but I'm not going to talk about them now. Exactly. <laughs> were you going to go okay. on to things not seen? Yes, uh, things not seen was our next discussion while still drinking Isla Storm. Uh, that was my pick. Um, this is another book from my childhood, um, my youth, uh, <laughs> like, uh, A Wrinkle in Time that I, I wanted to revisit and, and kind of just see how I felt about it as an adult. Yeah. And it did not disappoint. It, it was definitely yeah. a youthful book. It was definitely aimed at adolescence. It was also very much of a particular period. Yes. Just from mm-hmm. like the technology and the, Oh yeah. You know, Old tech the... <laughs> all over the place. The, the mice and sen is what um, 
you know film students would call it the stuff mm. that's in the story the the setting and the and the mm-hmm. the you know the props as it were um yep but yeah within that like i thought again like things not seen has scenes in it that are both so interesting and so well written that like they're very much there crystallized in my mind that i yes. i remember you know again better than a lot of things i've read before or since absolutely um and it's also one of those things that i i want to there's a a thesis paper or a research paper somewhere in my brain that has to be formulated about invisibility in literature sure Um, go back to the invisible man yep exactly and invisible man yes um, ralph Ralph ellison's literal invisibility as well as symbolic invisibility and the sure. connection to blindness uh, sure. as well. So, like, going back to Oedipus Rex, even. Sure. Um, all, all that, I think, is interconnected in, in a really interesting way. Um, yeah. Monstrosity is is connected to invisibility. It's most clear, I think. Invisibility in, and in blindness. Man. Yes. For that um, matter, yeah. And so, just the this idea of being disconnected. Um, sure. Sure. I, I'm wondering whether part of this might come up in the next book we discuss, The End of the Affair. Um, oh, sure. In, yeah, yeah. Uh, an interesting way uh, about this, you know, human connection, visibility, corporeality, right. um, all that. I, and and without that connection, how monstrous things can become, which in right. this book, it becomes monstrous in a very teenage way. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> no less valid. Uh, right. But... Uh, that's just the qualifier for it. <laughs> um, next full book we discussed was The Plains by Gerald Murnane. Oh, boy. Uh, while drinking oh uh, Glenn Fodry 12-year. Um, so before we talk about The Plains, Glenn Fodry, Ethan, how interested are you in revisiting? Uh, love Glenn Fodry. Always revisit. Mm-hmm. Um, Glenn Fodry is like a 12-year scotch that's like one of the it might be the only 12 year scotch that like is on a level with a 15 year or an 18 year as far as mm. complexity and interest of stuff going on um and it holds up you know as i as i taste more scotches and 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 understand more like it it still holds up as one that i constantly want to revisit um partly you know the the price it it's priced like a 12 year and it tastes like a much older scotch and you know i appreciate sure. that about it how about you michael well in the in the grand vision i have of the um stacked shelves of scotches that i will have at my the bar in my house one day right um if you've got you know some some form of glenfiddich on the rail and maybe um uh lagavulin up on the top shelf somewhere up there glen fodry is in the middle somewhere like yeah it's not a rail it's not top but it's somewhere that like i'm not it's not gonna be the first one i reach for but um maybe on some special occasions you know dalwini might be a little higher than this sure um you know as far as special occasions go but you know if 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 i need to have a sit down and a good conversation with somebody i might i might pull glenn fodry yeah for that 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 makes sense because i feel like if i'm remembering right i feel like i gave it like a four 4.5 4.5 and you gave it like a solid four yeah, which feels right. like roughly what we just said exactly <laughs> um as for the planes though oh my gosh 
this was this was your pick, Ethan. So tell us about it. Well, I read an article about Gerald Murnane, uh, I think in the New York Times, that made me um, need to read everything that this man had ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't want to elaborate too much on that right now. Yeah. I think I do in the first episode of The Plane, so you can always mm-hmm. go back and listen to that. But um, uh, it's... Like, if anyone ever told you that a novel couldn't be a tone poem, um, <laughs> this would be the book to uh, dissuade them. Which, like, a tone poem is a cinematic thing and not a not a literary um, genre, usually. But it's it's incredible. It's like... to me, I'm tempted to say, even though it might... I'm not sure, but it might even say a novel on the title page. I'm tempted to say that The Plains is, like, our second book that's not a novel after uh, mm. lost in the cosmos and but it's it's like in its own category altogether and i have only read it the one time and that is a crime um but i yeah i'm just i feel like i'm not being very coherent about this book and that incoherence probably says as much about it as i could hope to say very good um yeah this is another one that just sticks in my brain and it's it's a book that has reformatted the way i think sure um there there are a few books a lot of the books that we've discussed on the podcast have just changed the way i think about books and maybe about life and this is definitely one that i can i can i can track how it has (laughs) changed the way that i think um in a significant and not unpleasant way and i want to read everything that gerald bernane gerald bernane has written as you say um so yeah excellent uh, i realized i didn't do this so i'm gonna do it really quick ethan for our second year of books uh which is from the house of special purpose all the way through uh station 11 what's the one that uh that you pick for year two House of special uh, Purpose, man wrinkle in time ocean at the end of the lane ellen foster don quixote uh, and Station Eleven. I mean, Don Quixote. Yeah. Out of that, like, <laughs> like, like, there's, there's so many that, that like I should. Lose. What's that? There, there, there are others that I'm sad to lose, but it's, yes, it's an easy pick of Don Quixote. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, going on, while still drinking Glenfodry, we discussed Solace by Gail Carriger. Yes, um, and you mentioned this... earlier. Go ahead. I think you're going to say what I was going to say, but it's your story, so go well, ahead. Well, okay, this this is the most jarring shift between books <laughs> <laughs> that I think we've had. Yeah. Um, I, I, okay, I don't regret reading or discussing Soulless. I do regret that it came so close to the plains. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could I don't I don't regret the second thing you said, but um I also don't regret the first thing, so I I I think this book was a fantastic fun romp of a book. Um different from any other book that we've ever discussed on this podcast. Yes. Um who was it who said I think this is the like the most the smuttiest thing I've ever re- read? I think that I was you, wasn't it? Was it me? It, it wasn't was me because I've not that I not that this wasn't smutty, but I have read smuttier books. I'm sorry. Okay. To say. <laughs> well, I, I think it was one of our listeners who said that. Or something. Oh, 
Oh, I didn't. It was oh, like okay. Nate, maybe. Yeah, um, actually, that sounds right. Who was like, I'm right. mad at you for making me read such a smutty book or something like that. <laughs> that does sound um, right, yeah. But yes, okay. Um, th- so this is another book that, that I, I, you know, there might be others that, that we've talked up to about up to this point, but this is the next one that I remember vividly or for sh- for certain that I don't own this copy anymore. Oh, sure. Um, not that I disliked the book. Um, sure. But I, did, I didn't need to own it anymore. And it's it, we, we mentioned that it's the first book in a series right? Um, that came after. And not that I'm totally disinterested in the series, but I don't I don't need to read the rest of the series. This book is fine. I would By pick itself, up. It was enough. I would pick up the next book in the series if I like was having like a weekend where I was just being completely like self-indulgent and doing whatever Mm. i wanted and what i wanted was to like read Mm -hmm. excuse me read an entire like book that i didn't have to think about too much in a weekend Mm -hmm. like book that was just purely entertaining and nothing else and again i don't mean that as like a diss on gail character like the skill that it takes to write like a book that is pure fluff entertainment is like actually Mm -hmm. incredible and I don't necessarily think that her books are just that, but, no. um, you know, just like, that's the circumstance. Like if I just was like, okay, all I want to do this weekend is like lay, like take many baths and drink mm-hmm. wine and read a book that I can just finish in a weekend. Right. Like I would probably get the second book in this series. And that's probably my like, review of this book uh for this Mm -hmm. special other than to say i do believe i still have my copy because you got me a signed copy yes and like even for a book that i probably will never reread and like Uh enjoyed it once but that's about it i i have a hard time getting rid of a signed copy unless it's to someone else who like i know will love it more than i will Mm mm-hmm um that's what i did with mine i gave it to my sister so. oh sure there you go mm-hmm. yeah yeah because mine was also signed so yeah i thought you had yeah. gotten us both signed ones Mm-hmm. so good um for sure okay after that we discussed the seven and a half deaths of evelyn hardcastle uh while drinking polly's casks double barrel aged single malt uh scotch um polly's casks um so about that one first, that scotch, Ethan. Nah. How interested. I, I don't remember a lot about it. I, I don't think it stood out to me too much. It was like a weird hybrid thing, I want to say, where it was like, it was a scotch, yeah. but it had been finished in like bourbon barrels and maybe right. distroed by someone out of California. I don't know. It was fine. Yeah. I wasn't right. sad about drinking it, but I yeah. wouldn't spend more, spend money on it again. I don't need to seek it out for sure. However, uh, the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn death. Hardcastle, I would be, uh-huh. I would, if I saw this book in hardcover tomorrow, even though I already own a hardcover that you gave me, I would be tempted mm-hmm. to spend money and mm-hmm. buy it just to support um, my dear Stuart. friend, Stuart Turton. He and is our dear friend. He listens he, to these episodes. Yes. Uh, I, I, I mean, I knew this was going to come up whether it was you or me but like as far as i know he's the only author that we have written confirmation and feedback that he got Mm -hmm. both of our episodes listened to both of them and like responded to them 
Mm-hmm. And he responded to them in the most like gracious and uh, circumspect way, like very English, yep. honestly. But oh like, yes, you know he he gave enough detail that it was like clear that oh he uh, actually listened. He actually listened, and he said he appreciated it. And then he didn't like you know either. Mm-hmm. I don't know if i if i were if i were stuart turton in that in that context i might be tempted if i had gotten any clap back to be like well what i was trying to do in this passage was blah 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 but no he just he just did all those things and just like let it go at that and um you know my my feelings about this book are genuine i like without him having responded i would still think this was an amazing book and i would recommend it to you know almost anyone to read but like Mm -hmm. his response like i separate from my feelings about that how big of a fan of the book i am i'm a big fan of his response because it was just so lovely and and nice and yeah delightful is the perfect word for it Mm -hmm. yes uh yeah this this was a book we had a guest on for this one my my brother nick yes um because this this book came to me because he recommended it to me um and so I thought, yes, this will work as uh, a book on the podcast. And I am so happy that we brought this book <laughs> to the podcast. Um, and, you know, not only because of, you know, Stuart Turton's response, but also just because of this book, I have been tempted to bring his next book onto the podcast. Uh, if you don't do it, Water. I might do it at some point. It's, it, I think it's going to happen <laughs> at some point. I already own a copy. It's on my shelf. I just, you know, need to buckle down. Sure. on that one but um yeah so that's that's there which you know the fact that we both know that one of us is going to bring it might mean that it waits a long time yeah exactly <laughs> which would be very tragic but there tragic. we are <laughs> uh, that's how it goes um but no this is another one and okay so you talking about being tempted to buy another copy of it i own a second copy of seven and a half deaths that <laughs> i'm just waiting for the perfect you know, a person that needs a present from sure. me to just wrap that book up, put their name on it and say, I thought of you when I bought this book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's diabolical and also much smarter than I am about things because I've given away four or five copies of Lost in the Cosmos. Um, but I always just get my copy that I currently have and give it away. Mm. I've never thought to like buy a second backup copy. Oh, sure. About that or any other book. Good. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, all right. So next uh, we, we discussed Don Quixote Part 2. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> we, we discussed Jacques the Also Fables Tristram by... Shandy Part. Also Tristram part... Shandy Part 2. Yep, yep. Uh, Jacques the Fatalist by Denis Diderot, um, also while drinking Polly's Casks. Um, Jacques the Fatalist, Ethan was was your pick yes um tell us about it so there are certain books that one just like okay there are some books that one has like a lifelong romance with mm-hmm. uh you're lost in the cosmoses you're franny and zoe's you're uh um i had another example i got i don't know you're the Plainses. and then there are other books that one has like a fling with like a really intense fling with (laughs) and i feel like shock the fatalist was one of those where it was like 
the reading for the podcast was either the second or the third reading of it that I had done. Mm. Um, and I think I've read it at least three times total. And I remember reading it for the first time and looking at my wife and being like, I'm reading this for the first time, but I wish I was rereading it already. Mm. Um, which is a very specific and intense feeling about it. I partly it feel a name for that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I partly feel like our discussion of the book like got a lot of that out of my system. Oh, and that's that's, good. that's yeah, I was going to say that, you know, you might think of that as a bad thing, but it's not necessarily. It's like I part of what I needed from this book was someone else to be reading it with me and mm. and like seeing a different perspective on it. Yeah. Uh cuz part of what I recall from the discussion is you throwing some very different perspectives onto this book than like what i had thought of um partly because i think i got this book from reading milan kundera who thought it was an amazing book uh-huh. and i was really approaching it from his perspective slash from the perspective of how much diderot borderline plagiarized from lawrence stern in in tristram uh-huh. shandy and like that was part of why i wanted to bring it to this podcast was like you didn't have any of those influences Mm -hmm. um so i wanted to see what you would get out of it you know sort of uh without uh being pre-prejudiced or whatever um Mm -hmm. this is a very good discussion i i will revisit this book at some point but oh yes uh it was borderline becoming an annual reread and i don't think i don't think it is that hmm what, what about you, Michael? What do you think of this book, like, now, a couple, three years after your initial impression I of it? look back on this book with just sheer delight. Sure. Uh, that, that, is, that is the overwhelming emotion I feel about this. Also, so, um, there are various French works um, that I absolutely adore. Anything by Moliere uh, or Victor Hugo. Sure. Um, you know, stand out uh pretty well but this is this is one of those books that really makes me want to learn french so well that i can read it in the original sure um i want to reread this in english but i really want to read it in french yeah i, I have a, like, a, a need <laughs> to read i it completely agree i think the only other book i so intensely want to reread in french would be gargantua and Pantagruel. okay like it'd be worth okay. learning learning to read french specifically for these two books sure sure yeah yeah i can see that um okay after that came our next mongo book our second mongo book um which was of human bondage by w somerset mom while drinking lagavulin 16 let's start with the scotch ethan revisit oh my gosh yes please (laughs) Yes, please. Uh, it's it's a little bit of an expensive scotch, which is probably why sure. I haven't gone through many, if any, more bottles since then. But mm-hmm. if I had, you know, if I if I in the budget or whatever, I had the price to spend on it, I wouldn't hesitate. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, absolutely! Um, I think this is the second scotch that I rated five stars. Yeah, um, Lagavulin. I, I, I will hold this up as a paragon among scotches. <laughs> um so yeah that's absolutely hey before um, we go into of human bondage uh yep you have to do the cruel thing from the third year of the podcast well yes this this does uh cross or is of human into, bondage this, 
this is this would sorry be the last one of okay. the the third year. So I thought I'd scoop you about this. Nope, sorry. Thought I'd get you. Uh, <laughs> um. So yes, of human bondage. This was my pick for manga books. Um. I I, I don't regret discussing it. I I think there are other books that I have on my shelf that I would prefer to take as a manga book discussion. Um, but you can't know if, that until afterwards, right? Right. Right. And I I still love this book, and I I don't know how soon I'll read it again. I might re-read it again at some point. Um, if it weren't for the length, I wish it could be just a two-episode discussion book. <laughs> sure. I, I think we absolutely got good discussion out of four episodes uh, yeah. of it, but I, I almost regret losing that manga book slot sure. for another book. Um, I, and I, I remember that from our discussion, too. I liked this book a lot more than you did. I think I started swaying you a little closer towards my opinion through the discussion. Yeah, um, that sounds familiar. But uh, that's, I don't know. That, uh, that doesn't mean a whole lot, I guess. I mean, uh, my overall impression of this book is that, like, I'm not sorry I read it. I'm not sorry we discussed it. Like, I don't have any regrets about that. Hmm. I would not reread it again or read sure. it again. Um like if anything i would read other somerset mom books like i'm very interested yeah. in the razor's edge mm-hmm. um and i know there are a couple others that i'm not thinking of right now that i would probably read well before i would reread this one um sure but like you know it was an interesting discussion um i did unforgivably skim parts of this book when i read it uh not a ton of them but you, you, definitely you some of that them when we recorded it yeah i thought i i thought i did yeah. uh but you know like i said i'm not i'm not sorry we went there but mm-hmm. uh ultimately it's like it's certainly not gonna be my one recommended book from this year i'll put it that way all right well speaking of that let's go through this uh third year of the podcast books uh starting with things not seen the Plains, Soulless, Seven and a Half Deaths, Jacques the Fatalist, and Of Human Bondage. What's your number one book? Well, it's not, three? again, it's cruel and not fair because I have to say it's Jacques the Fatalist, Seven and a Half Deaths, and The Plains. <laughs> um, I guess being forced to pick one, I'm going to say The Plains. Mm-hmm. Partly because if people are forcing me to pick one, I'm going to pick the one that's like, accessible but challenging mm-hmm. and the plane sort of fits in there fair uh yeah those three are are holding me um pretty captive here as well um i for for the number one book see and and this is this, this is um anytime we come up with a rating system we have to undermine it um, <laughs> immediately <laughs> immediately and so there there are a couple categories for this what do i mean by the number one book um i i'm gonna take that for who am i going to or, or how how many people are you gonna am I most readily readily going to recommend people read yes and for that it's going to be seven and a half deaths sure i already i already own a second copy <laughs> yeah yeah that's right <laughs> Um, the, the planes, you know, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it quite as often. Right. Um, I may have I said the planes. I it more heartily towards people that I would already recommend seven and a half deaths to. Yeah. Jacques the Fatalist, I would recommend in a different way. Yeah, that's extremely fair. 
I may have said the planes partly because I knew you would say seven and a half deaths. <laughs> anyway, we've got both bases covered. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. All right. I I see how you're operating here. You're, <laughs> you're playing the long game, Ethan. Here. Um, Darn right. Trying to own the system. All right. Um, speaking of owning the system, the next book we discussed was uh, The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Yes. While drinking Ben Romach tenure. So, Ben Romach, Ethan. I have no memory of how the scotch did. I have nothing. Um, it, it's it's another tenure. It's um, a tenure. Yeah, and that's probably and why I have no memory of it. Yeah, it's it's very young yeah um i i remember it being okay yeah um maybe, i remember maybe a, even a little above okay but i yeah i remember not hating it yeah it's it's fine yeah um, uh the underground railroad though yes so this one i i discovered this book it was recommended in uh an issue of time magazine mm. um and I thought, wow, that's that's uh, an interesting concept for a book. You know, yeah. take this historical reality and make it literal. Um, right. That there's literally an underground railroad. Right. Um, strikes me as something that I, I don't know if Colson Whitehead is the first to do it. I think he might be, um, at least in our current era. But it, it strikes me as a sort of thing that has been mimicked. I, I'm not sure exactly how, but I, I feel like this this con this conceptual sort of writing has been done again in other ways. Like I, since I feel like the Underground is, Railroad came out, or since the Underground Railroad came out, and sure. maybe even before. I, like I say, I don't know if he's the first. I mean, um, to me, the the concept had a lot of resonance with like Gabriel Garcia Marquez and like some okay. of the the true original magic realist uh yeah writers um you know marquez said you know if you have a paragraph with or you you start a story with like 13 elephants flew past the man's window at the begin or <laughs> during breakfast like the fact that it's 13 somehow grounds that story um and something about making the Underground Railroad into a literal railroad, like, mm -hmm. had a similar effect to me. And I don't, sure. you know, I'm not a Whitehead scholar. I don't know anything yeah. about his influences, or I haven't really read any interviews with him, so I don't know. But uh, to me, it, it resonated with that kind of thing, for sure. Sure. Um, I want to say, like, brilliant book. Like absolutely it's it's absolutely. very difficult for me to care about books in, from the 21st century versus <laughs> books from the 17th 18th or early 19th century but like mm -hmm. this is one that as soon as i started reading it i had no doubt that i cared about it uh, oh yes um without yeah, necessarily knowing anything else about it like i mm -hmm. knew that immediately right there's something visceral about it um it's yeah there it's it's immense it, it, it's not long but it's it's an it's immense, not long but it's immense, immense. that's a really good description book. of it yeah um i haven't yeah, watched the, any of the amazon prime series of it that's what i was 
That, that's that's something I was gonna say. I want to I want to look into that. Yeah, uh, I will. And, I want to find but... out more about that. Yeah. Um, I will say when I brought this book, I was tempted by other books by Colson Whitehead because I knew I was looking for the Underground Railroad, but I found just the shelf of Colson Whitehead. He's got a lot. Yeah. Um, three or four other novels, I think, maybe more, and um, a couple other like. There's there we maybe mentioned this on the Underground Railroad episodes, but there's like sure. a nonfiction one where he gets into the world of like high stakes poker that looked amazing. Yeah, that I had still yeah. have read, that, and that's like a nonfiction so, like reportage right. one. So I, I, anyway, I was I was tempted to pick one of those, but I I just had to come back to the first one, yeah. Underground Railroad, which isn't his first novel, but it's you know the first one I knew about. Right. Um. Anyway, so. As we were still drinking Ben Romuk and um, discussing Underground Railroad, we also discussed Oklahanali by uh, R.A. Lafferty. Uh, yes. That was your pick, Ethan. It was, and I'm going to try to not do the entire rant about R.A. Lafferty and how amazing he is and how much <laughs> I love him. Um, specifically focusing on Oklahanali, it was interesting to pair this with the Underground Railroad because they were like, two books about you know minority experiences in the history of america that were like an alternate reading of history to like the one that you know as white boys we probably had grown up with um but that said like i mean Ari lafferty is a white guy uh but he lived in oklahoma like four-fifths of which is still legally indian territory like you know native american reservations um and a thing i this is like my new information that i'm bringing to this retrospective is that i read that uh lafferty was so into um the oral histories of the tribes in the area where he lived in oklahoma that Mm. the choctaws in the area would come to him to resolve disputes about the oral histories that like (laughs) they had you know that they had passed down so like if Mm -hmm. if two people had different versions of a historical story they would come to him to like because he had done so much research and so much uh Mm -hmm. uh recording of these things that like they trusted him to know um you know these details and oklahanali just bursts with that uh I have read Oklahanali seven times. Like, that's amazing. It's so difficult for me to read a book more than once. And I know I've said a few on this on this special where I've read them. You know, maybe three, maybe at the most four times. I have read Oklahanali seven times, um, and each reading, it's like it's new. Uh, I love this book so much, and it's a very like. If you've ever read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee or, you know, watched uh, Cheyenne Autumn or any of the the movies that, like, touch on the Native American experience um, and been at all moved by those things, like, this is the book for you. Like, this, this book is so entrenched in the Choctaw perspective of American history, but also of Choctaw history. It's like, it's an incredible mm. achievement. Um, Mm -hmm. Lafferty wrote it as part of a larger project that he called chapters from the great American novel, but like Mm. 
people who know this book and who love this book, especially who are academics, say this might be the great American novel or a great American novel. Like I've seen people argue that this book should be taught alongside Huckleberry Finn. Um, I want that curriculum to happen. Right. (laughs) Um, Okay. So you've read this seven times. I wish I had read it seven times because reading it once I knew immediately um, if I didn't have so many other things that I was reading at the time or needed to read right away, I wanted to turn around and start reading it again. Yeah. Um, this book strikes me as so important. Yeah. Um, that's, that's maybe the best thing I can say about it is it seems important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I don't know if I can say more and talk about it more than than you did that's uh... i mean yeah as far as airtime goes i did uh suck a lot of it up but that's okay here we are well the next book we discussed was the light between oceans uh, by ml steadman and we were drinking two different things at the time if i remember right this is oh. um the the first regular book that we discussed remotely um, sure which hasn't been our first choice but it's happened several times. We try to still coordinate scotches, but we were drinking different things. You yeah. were drinking the Glen Morangie La Santa, and I was drinking Glen Levitt 14. If I remember right, that's how those were distributed. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, so wow, since I didn't... were drinking the, that Glen Morangie La Santa... Um, Sorry, you... I didn't think about the fact that Oklahoma was like within that same year of the podcast as like us having to do you know quarantine related stuff right (laughs) yeah yeah that's fascinating anyway we don't have to focus on that but no no but it happens yeah so glenn morangi lasanta um and morangi lasanta is the sherry cask pairing to the quinta rubin uh port cask Mm -hmm. bottling that came up earlier um and when i was younger i think i liked the kinta rubin more um but for this record and this is much more you know much closer to who i am now than to who i was three to four years ago um i think i really appreciated the lasanta bottling the the sherry you know the sherry sort of dried it out a little bit and gave some more nutty aspects to it um Hmm. yeah i would revisit i I mean i'd revisit either of them honestly Mm -hmm. what did you Um, think of uh the glenlivet cognac bottling that was good i I remember thinking it was good um sure i i love cognac anyway um (laughs) so this this scotch i i don't think it was outstanding sure but i would revisit it absolutely um I, I want to come back and and try that that again. Any anything sure. by Glenn Levitt, I think, um, has the potential to be really really good. Sure, sure. Um, uh, as for the light between oceans, this was my pick, and it came as a a, a recommendation of my wife. Um, yeah. She didn't want to be on the podcast again, but this was a book that she really really loved. Uh, I can't remember for sure. I think I did, we discussed it on the podcast, but I can't remember for sure if we watched the movie first or if she read the book first. I think it was movie first. That sounds right. Um, I can't be sure. But um, yeah, so 
I, I know I watched the movie first um, before reading the book. Sure. And I really liked the movie. The movie is fantastic. And that's something that you brought up uh, in the discussion of the book, that it uh, is written basically to be a movie. Script. Yeah. <laughs> I had forgotten that I said that, but yeah, now that you say that, yeah, I thought it felt more like a screenplay treatment, like an extensive yes. screenplay treatment than like a novel. Which makes so much sense. Uh, and I think that is... That, that is what it is. Um, that's if, if that's how you come to the novel understanding that this is expecting to develop into a screenplay and into a movie, then that's that's what it is. Um, yeah. As a novel, too, um, not not the greatest novel in the world ever. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, um, I think you enjoyed it quite a bit more than I did. <laughs> Yes, yes, and that's that's absolutely true. I enjoyed it more than you did. I remember that for sure from our discussion. Um, it, and we we mentioned that earlier that that's one where you know you you don't mind your emotions being manipulated. You just don't want to notice it. Yeah, which was um, like an interesting thing that you brought to my attention in the discussion of that novel. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's absolutely true. And I still hated this novel. Right, right. That's that's you know just clarifying why you hated it. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, and I think we went into this like it was that combined with the fact that I I have a I have a very firm principle that it's like if you're writing one genre just for another genre, you should just write that other genre. Like if oh, you're sure. writing a film treatment, you should just write a film treatment and not pretend mm-hmm. it's a novel. Um, yeah, but. And I think I, you know, I think we went into this in that discussion. I, there were some aspects of this book that I did appreciate and, and understand and get and, and like, but yeah, Mm -hmm. overall, I think it was certainly a, a skip it recommendation at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right. And I I think I landed on borrow. I don't remember for sure, sure, but that sounds right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Next book, uh, while still drinking our various scotches, was The Dream of Perpetual Motion uh, by Dexter Palmer. Um, That was your pick, Ethan. Yes. And as we went into on those episodes, this was a book I read at least once, maybe a couple times in high school. I read Mm -hmm. it again in college. I recommended it to the head of our English department, who then cursed, like, a bunch of the, (laughs) like, a couple years worth of the students in that department with this book. Um, Mm -hmm. I then, I think the next time I reread it was for the podcast. So many years later. Sure. Uh, And I had a much more, almost 10 years or yeah, exactly 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. I had a much more nuanced and like take on it at that point. Uh huh. I honestly sort of feel like it's the experience of someone watching Fight Club when they're 30 who had fallen in love with Fight Club when they were, like, 18. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, like, I don't know, it was still an interesting book. Still gave us plenty yeah. to talk about. And it was further discussion of The Tempest. Um, right, as, yeah, as we of course. You know, it's The Tempest again. Right. Um yeah, I okay. I I remember uh, appreciating it for what it was, but also not being totally swept away by it. Right. Um, 
when I told my brother Nick, who brought us Seven and a Half Deaths, uh, when I told him I was reading this book, he's, his response was, Ugh, I'm not going to give you the rant that I give other people. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, because, yes, that's right. And because he was caught in that net because he yes. was younger enough than us mm-hmm. that by the time I was reading it and recommending it to um, the head of our English department, he was in the English program at right. the same school so he got caught up in like me enthusing to lars about this right uh, and so he like had been assigned of his to read friends this. and peers were very invested in this book and absolutely loved it and would rave about it and he oh i don't think totally i knew disenchanted that. i don't think i knew i don't know that if i brought his... that up in the episode yeah, itself because we had a lot did. of other things to talk about but sure. yes he he stood apart <laughs> from the rest uh all of those who really loved it and he hated it sure um absolutely hated it i don't think i had quite as intense a hate for the book as he did i i didn't think it was marvelous sure it was fine um, i mean to be fair lars fell out of love with it too the head of our english sure. department taught it for a couple three years and then suddenly started to like i don't know not that he hated it i don't think but like he thought it started seeming less subtle than it maybe seemed at first or something you you can hit the bottom of it is I yeah think, the, yeah the, the problem um <laughs> you, you can hit the bottom and uh it's 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 fine for what it is yeah um it, but it i don't think it deserves to be its own section of a literary program curriculum yeah that seems fair you know? yeah yeah um, all right. After that, we discussed *The Orchardist* by Amanda Coplin while drinking Glenrothes. 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 I think we've had that discussion. Discussion. That, that yes. pronunciation discussion earlier. Uh, twelve year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Scotch. The the Glenrothes. Glenrothes. Twelve year. Ethan, how do you feel about revisiting it? I do not remember this one at all. Like I remember the shape of the bottle and like. Mm maybe some of the label design but that's it yeah i'm i'm having a hard time calling it to mind too um probably i certainly I'd be didn't in trying it again but i certainly didn't hate it like i would yeah. remember if i hated it but that's it oh that's yes. all i got yeah um as for the orchardist this was one that um i felt almost guilty for bringing as just a regular book because oh, it's sure. so big it's not um, I mean I mean it it pushes 400 pages uh yeah but there's a lot of white space in the book as I recall mm-hmm. and yes there there are chapters where it's just like a paragraph and yeah the rest of the page is blank and even a lot more chapter chapters where it's like page. yeah or even a lot more chapters where it's like one entire page and then a little bit on the next and then there's like a break or whatever mm-hmm. like I don't remember. I remember feeling like this was not an unfair length of a book to bring to our sure. show. Sure. Well, this is one that I'd been sitting on for quite some time. Basically, if it got to a point where I didn't have a book to bring, I was going to bring The Orchardist. Sure. That's not the reason I brought The Orchardist at this time. There were still several others that I was thinking about bringing, but The Orchardist won out. Sure. It was. It was just time. 
because this was the last book I read before we just get, we started the podcast. Oh, uh, that's I right. I mentioned that in, in the recording too. Yeah. Um, and how the overwhelming impression I got from that first read was that silence was a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the second read when for the podcast itself, just, just, it, it, it develops so much more, not just that silence is a character, but that the characters live in silence and go through silence and you expect this, this other plot sort of thing to be happening in a more standard story, but silence affects them in a different right. way. Um, and you brought up the, the idea of the Midwestern novel in this, even though it's an East coast. Oh, that's right. <laughs> novel. Which I've been thinking um, about. Cause I West coast novel. Yeah. Cause I read uh, the book, the Midwestern novel, and then also, Paired with this one, we were reading Shotgun Love Songs, which was yep. a novel by literally a Wisconsin author. Literally Midwestern. Um, yeah, sorry. I don't know if you had anywhere else yep. you were going with that idea. No, I mean, a- any other thoughts on, on that one? Um, I have a lot, and I could go into the Midwestern novel thing, but I think we did it sure. on the episodes about that. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, like, this was a devastating book in the best mm-hmm. possible way. Um yes. I loved it, and I, uh, like, if anyone was enamored of, like, Plain Song or the Cantoruff mm, trilogy, mm-hmm. like, this is the next one I would recommend to them. There, there's kind of that interesting through line that we've got that are, that it's that connection of the Plains, Plain Song, the Orchardist, they're yeah. all in a similar vein. Yeah, um, the plains is maybe di- the totally outlier. Totally different geographic locations. That you know, the plains is right. Australian, and it is different in in that too. Just in technique and form and stuff, but yeah, um, it it is There's really interesting similarities. what similarities you can tease out of like like place books about places that are sort of forgotten or sort of passed over, um, empty places, kind of empty or like. Just like, you know, the Midwest, probably the place in Australia where the planes are set, and maybe even the setting of the Orchardist, all could be considered like flyover country, quote unquote. Sure. Places that people fly over to get to more important places. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it is interesting how many similarities there are, Yeah, you know, between and among those. There's a thesis paper in there somewhere. Absolutely. Listeners out there who are trying to decide what their uh, master's thesis in English is going to be. Try that. Something. Send us your homework. We'll. Send us your homework. (laughs) Get you all off to plagiarism jail. Yes. If you're doing master's or PhD level work, you're probably far too smart for that. But, you know. Yeah, that's true. Slash, if you're listening to our podcast, you definitely are. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So the next one, as you mentioned, that we were discussing is Shotgun Love Love Songs by Nicholas Butler. And that was your pick, Ethan. I still, I think it's not a perfect book. I still really, Mm -hmm. really love it. I Mm -hmm. don't know if I will ever revisit it again, but I do really like it. I do still intend to uh, seek out other of Nicholas Butler's works. I have not done Mm -hmm. so yet. Yes. Uh, th- this is another one that, um, like Station Eleven, uh, or like Then We Came to the End, I remember you liked it more than I did. Absolutely. Um, at the time. 
Though I feel like since I since the recording, my esteem of it has increased. Yeah, that's what um, I was gonna say. I, I feel I like I someone brought you around, mentioned... or you came around, maybe without me. Yeah. Uh, to liking it more. Yeah. So someone mentioned um, after the episodes came out something about um, the the ending of Huck Finn. Yeah, Nat, um, um, super fan, Nat. super fan, Nat yeah. Ryan. Uh, yeah, pointed out or at least suggested a connection between those two endings and And both of us were like we were both like wait we need to read this we should have (laughs) known that we should have caught that yep how are we this bad Um, at our job and i i have this book has surprised me in the way it has made me think of it sure in i mean anytime i hear bon iver i think of the book right um but also just the idea of the the friendship that exists in it it seems so pervasive and so um universal sure that it's made me think of it it's, sure. it's made me think of this book and so my my esteem of it even since the recording uh, has risen which gives it kind of a unique place sure yeah that's um, interesting yeah well after that ethan you went to ireland i did um Wait, have and I mentioned then... that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and then we discussed our third manga book, The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy Gentleman by Lawrence Stern while drinking Green Spot Irish whiskey. Oh, that's right. Uh, so Green Spot, Ethan. Had, uh, yes, always yes. Scotch Please, thing. yes. Give it to me. And Open you my told mouth, me that you put a funnel down my throat, Ireland, just pour it in. I have seen this in every liquor store I've ever been in since having it on the episode. Yeah, I don't so, know if it was like a Berenstein Bears versus Berenstain Bears where like yes, some timelines merged or something. Effect. Yeah. Um, or if I was yes, just no. that gullible to Irish bartenders, and which I, I, seems likely. I regret to say that I have not bought another bottle of green spot but i have wanted to and the time sure. is coming when i am going to buy another bottle of this sure uh, because it is so good it is so good uh as for tristram shandy ethan this was your choice of mongo book um i mean it was always going not to be. that i not that i objected <laughs> it always had to be it, it always did. would be it like even you know Tristram Shandy kind of loomed as a shadow over the podcast since we started it. Yeah. Because um, we had both read it. we started it, the Mongo books, like we had, had both... to be in there at some point. Yes. Sorry. Uh, we had both yeah. read Tristram Shandy, and it's like mm-hmm. so many, especially the earlier you go in the English language novel anyway, so much mm-hmm. references it and is influenced by it, even if indirectly, like... It just is there always. Yes, it 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 is in the blood of English literature. Yeah. Um. It it had to be. It had to be there. Yeah. Um. And, and again, this is this is another book that has changed the way I think. <laughs> sure. Um. And and I find myself thinking in terms of tristram shandy so often not just because of i am a cat (laughs) um (laughs) but in in books in general in in reading in general i just i i I, it's almost like tristram shandy stands in relief to every book i read 
I would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's a thing. Um, and that does bring us to um, the the end of our third year. Or fourth year? Fourth, fourth, yes, fourth year. Um, uh, on on the podcast that 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 hits our fourth anniversary. So, um, ending with Tristram Shandy and beginning with what did we begin with? Um, for this uh, Underground Railroad. Underground Railroad. So yeah. Um, of those. Uh, Underground Railroad, um, Oklahanali, Light Between Oceans, Dream of Perpetual Motion, Orchardist, Shotgun Love Songs, and Tristram Shandy. What's the number one, Ethan? I'm going to say Oklahanali, which is a shocking revelation because I literally always describe Tristram Shandy as my favorite novel of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I'm going to say Oklahanali because more people need to know about it and read it. And if you're two and a half hours into this podcast and you've had the dedication to listen to this and you haven't yet read Oakland Ali, you are the exact person who needs to read it. And also <laughs> uh, yes. you will read uh, Tristram Shandy eventually. So I have faith yes. in that also. Absolutely. I, I am actually shocked uh, by that, but I think we have similar reasons for not choosing Tristram Shandy as the number one. Sure. Um, and, and I am I am not choosing Tristram Shandy, even though I am very tempted to. Um, and that's just because I, I just have a hard time recommending it to people. Yeah. Um, it's very nuanced when you do recommend it to people. Right. Right. Um, my number one is actually going to be The Orchardist. Sure. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Even though Oakland Alley is also very... And Underground Railroad is up there, too. Um but it, it it's got to be the orchardist um i i think there it's it's a powerful book and there's there's a lot that uh yeah. just about anyone can get out of it yeah absolutely uh, all right this brings us to this year on the podcast um the first uh book we discussed was a play the playboy of the western world by jm singh while drinking talisker storm uh so Talisker Storm, let's start there, Ethan. Um I mean, I've gone through a couple three bottles of Talisker Storm over the years, which is like mm-hmm. more than some, you know, scotches I've I've done. Um it's very good. It's like mm-hmm. to me it always tastes like a Highland with some smoke attached. Hmm. And it's like would I rather just do sort of a more standard Highland or like a more smoky, you know, Northern one? I don't know. Mm. Um, I would not revisit it. Sure. I, I feel like this is another one that I would have on that rail next to the Glenfiddich. Um, oh, sure. And hand out more easily. Sure. Um, especially if i wanted someone to try it who thought that they wanted to try scotch but didn't really know where to start sure um just because it's got that smokiness yeah it it kind of hits the you know it's in between that highland and isla sort of thing yeah so you've got the best of both worlds almost sure yeah that makes sense to me that's 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 kind of where i am at 
Uh, so the playboy, the playboy of the Western world, Ethan, was your pick um, because you had gone to Ireland. <laughs> That's not unfair. Um, <laughs> it's a great play, though, and um, I would love to perform in it someday or direct it. Oh yes. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I just love that play. Like again, I guess I'm violent. Like I'm making myself seem like a hypocrite uh as far as like rereading stuff goes i probably like was at least my third read of playboy if not my fourth read for this show Mm. um which doesn't count as much because it's a you know 60 page play or whatever but uh yeah i don't know it's great i love it yeah um and both of us did read the entire corpus of sing's work that is true those episodes yeah um which you know we we focused our discussion i think on playboy um but everything else did inform yeah how we read playboy and like given that sing's entire corpus is like a standard novel's length yeah i would recommend anyone who didn't grow up in the irish school system um (laughs) just read that but if you don't want to just focus on playboy absolutely yeah it's the best um out of anything he's written it is 100 percent his best work yeah um but all of it is good yeah um and i i would echo what you said i would love to perform in it i i did some scenes in college but that was for classes and things sort of workshoppy stuff work yeah yeah i'd I'd love to do the whole thing yeah absolutely um that'd be awesome um, after that, while still drinking Talisker Storm, we discussed Ball Lightning by Tsishin Liu. Yes. Um, which, was, as far as conceptual sci-fi goes, was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and different. So this this year, uh, looking back on it, um, the, the Asian uh, author presence has been... Um, pretty pronounced uh interestingly and it started with Xixin Liu uh this Chinese novel um and so I've been thrust out of my common format context context of understanding literature on numerous occasions this whole year sure um starting with ball lightning i not that any of them has been unpleasant um but starting with ball lightning here just it's it's so interesting to think in a different way Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah um i agree with that like in I don't know. In some ways it feels like reading older science fiction or yes. <clears throat> just anything where I don't necessarily have the full context and I've had to feel my way through using context clues and what what historical and other knowledge I do have. Um I was really glad I read Ball Lightning. Hmm. Uh I don't think I would read it again Mm. i don't know that i've 
that I've gotten rid of it, but it's definitely in the like get rid of pile rather than the, sure. the keep pile. Um, but it reading Ball Lightning did inspire me to order from Amazon or whatever uh, uh, Liu's Three Body Problem, uh, mm-hmm. which I believe is the first book in a trilogy. And like, I will read that book eventually. And if it's as good as Ball Lightning was, I will read the other books mm-hmm. also. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely worth reading. It feels like a gift almost to have like a science fiction novel from a nation and a culture so removed from ours to have it translated so that we can like digest it to even some degree. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, after that, the next book was By Force Alone by Lavi Tidhar. Um, and this is where old Pulteney, yes. 12 year, came back. Um, I didn't have the bottle at the time. We recorded this one remotely. Uh, I was drinking Oban 12 year. Okay, since we've already heard me about old Pulteney, what did you think of Oban? Yes. Oban was good. Oban was good. Um, I, I would come back to Oban for sure. Sure. I, I think because I did get Old Pulteney again later. I That's think what I thought. I preferred Old Pulteney. Okay. Um, but still, Oban would be, you know, maybe on that middle shelf I mentioned. Sure. In my mind. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so there's, yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. Excellent. Um, By Force Alone was uh, your pick, Ethan. Um. This is a very sassy and transgressive book. Uh, yes. Including transgressive of, like, things that I hold dear. And yet, I want mm. to read it at least one more time. Mm. Uh, I liked it a lot in a lot of ways. I thought in a lot of ways it was self-indulgent and overwritten. But mm. at the same time, so much of what it did well, it did so well. That, like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's difficult slash impossible to dismiss completely yes um yes i i echo (laughs) all of all of that it's it's different but also not unique (laughs) sure if that makes sense um (laughs) uh it it, almost goes back to what you were saying about Saul bellow's short story that mm-hmm. I made you repeat mm-hmm. earlier, and I still can't remember the name of. In Looking that, for Mr. Green. Yeah. In that it uses postmodern tropes, but it uses them not just as tropes or as tricks. It, like, has a purpose yeah. in using them. And I can respect right. that, if nothing else. Right. Um, and as far as it's, like, self-indulgence, it's not quite as bad as, like, A Dream of Perpetual Motion. Sure. Um, you know, which even that one I would argue is self-indulgent, yeah. but isn't so much so that it ruins the the book as a whole. Right. Um. Just because the book feels like I'm in combat with the book when I read it, sure. Like I I want to read it again. I want to go back into that fray. <laughs> to see if you can I, triumph this time versus the last I, time or something. Yeah, but but I, I need to sit in the corner with a towel for a bit before <laughs> I try that again. That seems, you know? yeah. 
in as much as you echoed everything I said, I completely agree with everything you just said. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we are of an accord. Yes. Um. Uh. So okay. After by force alone, we then discussed Babbitt by Sinclair Lewis, and this time we both had Old Pulteney Twelve Year, and we also had our guest Jacob Kempfert on, who was discuss. an amazing guest. Amazing. Who guest. like so good. I I think we made him feel bad, and then we ordered him not to feel bad about the things that he felt yes. bad about. So I I want to say we like recovered our relationship on a sort of equilibrium there. Um, mm-hmm. but also Babbitt. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. I since reading Babbitt earlier this year, six months ago, according to my podcast feed, um. Mm. I have read two and a half other Sinclair <laughs> Lewis novels. Uh, I read yes. um, It Can't Happen Here, his, his sort of alternate history, alternate present take on like a Hitler-style dictator taking over in the U.S., um, mm. Partly because that book has had a resurgence in sales in the last four or five years for some reason. And I did want to see about that. It was, like, interesting as a thought experiment. It was not good as a novel. Um, (laughs) However, I also read Elmer Gantry, which is amazing as both things. Mm. Um, And I've gotten part of the way through Main Street, his sort of first big breakout success. And I'm reserving judgment on that till I get all the way through it. Um, Fair. But that said, like, that shows, this is all to say how big of an influence or a whatever that Babbitt had on me. Yes. Like, it did make me want to read at least the highlights of the rest of this man's corpus. Absolutely. Um, have you seen or read Lock and Key at all? Uh, the comic slash Netflix TV show. No, uh, my wife watched the TV show and I saw some like scenes of like people looking very beautiful and very troubled while there was like a driving club beat behind them. And that's all I know about the show. And I know even less (laughs) about the comic. Fair. I, I have not read the comic. I'm interested to read it. Now, this is going to be kind of a... I, I, I promise there's a reason I'm bringing this sure. up. Um, so, um, my wife and I have watched the show, all the episodes, and we love it. Um, there, So, there, there are keys. There are these different keys that have different magical functions to them. And one of them is called the head key. Okay. And with the head key, you put it into the back of your neck, you open it up, and then you can walk into your mind. Um or whoever's mind you're opening up and, you know, see different things. You can take things out. You can remove things from your mind. Sure. Uh, like one character removes that, uh, the fear, um, so that there's, there's no fear anymore. Um, and, but then like others use it for studying and they just throw the books they're supposed to be reading into their brain. Sure. It saves time. Um, I don't really want to do that with books because I really like the process of reading them. Okay. Yeah. But I have wanted to have the head key to use as a weapon alongside with Babbitt upon people. (laughs) 
Just to throw Babbitt into their minds, into their brains? Yes, I have wanted to throw Babbitt into people's brains so often. (laughs) Um, So that I can just, you know, say the word Babbitt and let people understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, So that's, yeah, that's, that's. I, I get th- yes. I have I have not gone um deep into the Sinclair Lewis pool, um, as you have. I've wanted to, but this book is just so influential. And I think, as far as American literature goes, a lot of things do owe so much to Babbitt in a similar yeah. way to all of English literature owes so much to Tristram Shandy. Yeah. Um. And similar to Tristram Shandy, it's like often in ways that are indirect or unacknowledged mm-hmm. or even fought against. Yes. yes. Yeah, agree. After Babbitt, we discussed Wide Sargasso Sea by Jean Reese and drank Lefroy 10 Year. So, Lefroy, Ethan. Again, like we talked about earlier, a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I really like it. I would still buy it at like some of the more inexpensive price points I encounter it at, but mm-hmm. not as like all encompassing, all embracing as like the Lefroy, which I assume is the same Lefroy, but like as I encountered it, you know, five to six mm-hmm. years ago when I knew less about Scotch. Right. Um,. Great. It's it's good, and I I will never regret drinking it. It was a little disappointing. Yeah. From my memory of it. Yeah. But you know, I I I drink it again. Yeah, um, for sure. Same. With with no no issues at all. Um, White Sargasso Sea was your pick. Yeah, and again, in a way that I hadn't encountered since like. Ravelstein slash uh, Lost in the Cosmos. I felt after one read, even with like the critical edition, and and mm, you know, mm-hmm. I felt completely out of my depth with this one. Uh huh. Um, you know, I I think we had a good discussion, and I think we did our yes. best, but mm-hmm. it was like like there's so much going on. Like again. Yeah. In the way that Gene Wolfe or uh, Ari Lafferty works deserve like a chapter by chapter, you know, analysis. Mm-hmm. This one almost deserves like a page by page analysis. Yeah. Well, just from what I understand about Gene Reese's deliberateness with word choice. Yeah. That's... There's so much there. Uh, it's like and, almost you know, a James. Back on those episodes. It's almost yeah. like a James Joyce level of like, you know, the joke about James Joyce is like a friend of his, you know, came into his kitchen one day and found him, you know, with his head in his hands. And he said, James, what's wrong? And Joyce said, well, I only wrote eight words today. And the friend said, well, like, that's good for you. And Joyce said, well, I don't know what order they go in. Um, <laughs> I feel like a similar uh, level of deliberateness is valid to assume about Gene Reese. Uh huh. Yes. I yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, thinking back on these episodes, um, 
I, I, I can't focus. I, I just, it physically can't focus on what we did discuss. Yeah. I just keep thinking about what we didn't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For both like, uh, Babbitt, White Tug SOC, and Despair coming up here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's, yeah, the next one was Despair by Vladimir Nabokov while still drinking Lefroy. Um, which was my pick. And that, that's another one like with the invisibility in literature there there there's a research paper formulating in my brain somewhere about this about doubles yeah. in literature um may, you know maybe it's related to the invisibility yeah. idea because this is like super visibility sure. almost i mean I you could go as far um, back as like don quixote with that and oh, yes talk about Absolutely. the the false don quixote who mm-hmm. You know, appeared on a special that we haven't talked about in this retrospective, but... We've not discussed that. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes. Um, It's... I haven't read a ton by Nabokov, or or Nabokov, however you pronounce it. Um, I I think Lolita is a better book than Despair. Um, Pale Fire, I understand, is a better book. I need to read that one still. I think Pale Fire and um, uh, Invitation to a Beheading are both better books Mm -hmm. in very different ways. Right. Um, Even still, though, Despair is a phenomenal book. Yeah. If if this is a a weak book by Nabokov, I mean, that's a testament to how good this author is. This book is good. That's that's what I have to say. Yeah. This book is good. Um, almost surprisingly good. And it's short. Uh, it's not, not a huge book. Um, but it somehow condenses a lot of Russian literature themes into a short book. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's so not... That, that, I mean, that's a th- thing we didn't discuss in the episode itself. Right. Itself, but... It's a roughly similar lengthwise to a lot of Nabokov's other books, other than like Ada. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, compared to other Russian literature, if you want to sort of go into that, uh, it's quite short. Right, right. Yes. Oh, yes. All right. After that came uh, our latest Mongo book, yes. which was I Am a Cat by Sosaki Natsume while we drank the Lagavulin 11-year Offerman Edition scotch. So, Ethan, um, the Offerman Edition. I think I like it better than the 16-year Lagavulin. Ooh. Like, uh... the 16-year is very fine and very wonderful and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I think I like this one personally. Like... This may this is one of those things where it's like maybe this is just how many of my triggers it trips. I mm. think I like it better overall. Fair. Fair. How about you? I no, I well, I just finished this bottle earlier this week. Sure. <laughs> that's how I mean that's how recently recently we discussed the book. Yeah. Um and um I I wish I still had it on my shelf. Sure. Um, I'm very tempted to go out and buy another bottle of it. Sure. Uh, to share and to drink and to have because it's awesome. 
Um, no, I finished it yesterday. What am I saying? <laughs> I finished it yesterday, not earlier this week. I finished it yesterday. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I am a cat. Um, I mean, if we are deciding whose pick it was, it, it's kind of my pick. Kind of, yeah. A manga book here. Um, you know, we we talked about how it is, but isn't the Japanese version of <laughs> Tristram Shandy, <clears throat> and it's you know, at, at times it felt hard to get through. It felt hard to read, um, just because it's so big and there's so much not happening. <laughs> but all of that that's not happening is so good, and I need to read it again. And as soon as I finished it, I thought I did not read this book and give it justice. Was this the second uh, time you read this book, or the third? This was this was the second time okay. I read it. Uh, but both times that I've read it, I felt like I need to go back and give this thing its due. Sure. And read it again. Like it's interesting because I personally, well, I acknowledged that it was like long, and hmm. you know, it it was gonna take a long time for me to get through. I never felt like there were any individual sections where I was like, okay. This one should not be here. This one should be shorter. Mm, mm-hmm. I can speed through this one. Like, all of the sections of it felt urgent and felt, like, necessary at the same time yes. as it being a book about nothing. Uh, and right. the book was it itself it... was very able to hold those things in tension um, yes. without throwing out one or the other. So, like... Yeah, I don't know what my conclusion was there. Sure. Or if I had one. Well, when I say that, you know, parts of it were difficult to get through, that's not the problem with the book. That's a me problem. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Like, that's that's just me needing to reformat my brain for the book. (laughs) Sure. Um, So that's, and it, it, I, I think it needs to stand next to Tristram Shandy. Not just because it's so influenced by it, but I, it is influential as well. Yeah. In a similar way. Well, and it consciously chooses to be influenced by Tristram Shandy, mm-hmm. like this book in a completely different cultural context that came out 150 years earlier, um, mm-hmm. that it directly references and uses for inspiration. Right. Uh, yeah. So, like, if we're talking recommendations. I would be like, okay, read Tristram Shandy and then read I Am a Cat and then read yes. anything else. Right. Um, and what's interesting about that too is I keep coming back to the fact that um, Sosuke Natsume uh, was sort of pressured to keep writing yes. this serialized novel until he eventually killed off the cat. Yes. And that's... It feels like there's more to that story. Sure. And I I, want to investigate more of that within the novel itself. Sure. And how his frustration with his obligation to write this novel feeds into the novel itself. Like, does the novel itself force itself to be written? Sure. And and it, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm exactly saying what i what i mean it just feels like another one of those masters phd theses that's like (laughs) you know 
you wouldn't you wouldn't know if you'd said the right thing until after you'd written the 50 to 200 pages of the thesis or whatever right right exactly so um that's that's i am a cat anymore on that uh nothing from me okay uh i think we just need to decide which book is the best out of this last year before we wrap things up well there there's one more that uh comes in this year is there that is um snowflower and the secret fan by lisa c oh you're right because when this episode is out that one is already out that one will be out yeah um we won't talk about the scotch because we are in the middle of drinking that entire bottle yeah um over these these multiple bottles over the course of these (laughs) seven weeks um yeah yep um but yeah the highland park 12 year viking honor yeah um so we won't we won't discuss any of our reviews of that but Let's uh, talk about Snowflower and the Secret Fan by Lisa C. Uh, that was my pick. Um, another one that came to me from my sister. Um, that she she claims that as either her favorite or one of her favorite books sure. ever. Um, and so going into it blind, I brought that one to the podcast. Again, in this theme of Asian. Oh, literature. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ball Lightning, I Am a Cat, Snowflower, and The Secret Fan. Um, it's an American novel, but also so, uh, an American of Chinese heritage. Right. Um, and who did that extensive research, which we talked about in the episodes uh, already, um, just, you know, set me in a totally different mindset, different frame of mind. And trying to understand something totally foreign to my own context. Right. Um, I think it is an important book. Yeah. As we've talked about important books on our podcast. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I it, That one's so fresh because it is the most recent episode. Yeah. I don't have a ton to say about it. I don't know if I have a lot more to say. It's like, I haven't said in the episodes recently. Like, yeah. I don't have any perspective on it. Right, right. So, all right, well, we'll, we'll leave it there then. Um, so now, yes, the cruel trick, the cruel question for 2021, starting with Playboy of the Western World, then Ball Lightning by Force Alone, Babbitt, Wide Sargasso Sea, Despair, I Am a Cat, Snowflower and the Secret Fan. Ethan, what's the number one? Uh... For our fifth I'm gonna say year. Babbitt. Just like okay, partly because it's so easily overlookable that mm. Ernest Hemingway said uh, Sinclair Lewis is nothing, um, <laughs> and he's not. But like I understand why you would say that, but also mm-hmm. you're wrong, um, mm-hmm. and like reading elmer gantry uh as well as reading or seeing the film of elmer gantry like there's so much in both of those uh you know this novel that came out in the 1920s elmer gantry the film came out in 1960 there's so much both as far as like the american christian church as well as like american culture uh american history that's like relevant from 
those sources mm-hmm. as well as from Babbitt. Um, like the Elmer Gantry, Elmer Gantry, the film sort of folds some Babbitt into itself, um, which is interesting all by itself. But like, it's so relevant and so interesting and so like sharp in its observations mm-hmm. that like reading Babbitt out of this set of books is like probably more relevant than a lot of books that have been published much more recently mm-hmm. um yeah i i my pick is also bad uh <laughs> nice i i already you know said that i i want to shove this into the brains of people right um, people need to read babbitt I I don't think I can foresee a time when I will not recommend Babbitt yeah. for people to read. If someone ask if someone were to ask me for the first book that I would recommend that they read, Babbitt is honestly right there. Yeah. Um Wide Sargasso Sea is a pretty close second. Sure. Um I guess I'm less inclined to recommend it uh as my first partly because of like how much context is needed both culturally historically and in literature like Mm. it makes somewhat less sense if you haven't read jane Eyre and all of that but like even so with all of that legwork uh wide sargasso sea is worth pursuing but given this cruel cruel uh uh whatever context you've given us yeah um i do have to stick with babbitt cruel summer yes thank you yeah you're welcome yes okay i i agree with you that's all i have to say (laughs) um so uh this this has been our um fifth anniversary retrospective um and yeah we spent three hours talking about this podcast yeah um we've done reviewing how many books? I don't even know. I didn't count. I didn't keep track. Michael, can you say like a code word? Like something that a word that hasn't come up ever ever before in this episode or any other episodes. Just come up with a code. Just like a single word. Fruit bat. Okay. Uh if gentle listener, you email us or uh you know feedback section us the word fruit bat we will do something for you that's all i've got that's all i've got it's just like i want i for i would like a for your door prize yeah we will give you a door prize we may even work with you to to like say what door prize it is i just want like a way of acknowledging and also like rewarding anyone who has gone with us on this three plus hour journey mm-hmm. our, our longest episode ever is our most self-indulgent episode ever yeah which to be <laughs> fair like i we are planning to release this outside of like the normal range of episodes right. so you can take it or leave it we probably should have said that right. at the beginning but here we are eh that's eh. <laughs> you should have seen the runtime and known what you were getting yourself into. Uh, I agree. Yes. 
so at, at, at the end here, um, starting with uh, our next episode, we will be discussing The End of the Affair by Graham Greene. Uh, so read along with that. Uh, give us your feedback, well, on any of the books that we've discussed. Uh, or, or really any book. Just, you know, tell us about books that you've been reading. That's fair, yeah. Um, tell us what you think. Uh, tapestryradio.org. Go to the contact section uh, up at the top. Put Scotch Talk in the subject line uh, to let us know what you're talking about. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us at Room with Scotch. On Facebook, you can ask to join the Tapestry Radio Tap House, and we will let you in unless you are more self-indulgent than we are. So we um, will let you in. So we will let you in. <laughs> um, uh, and yes, as we alluded to, we will do your homework. Uh, we don't promise to do it terribly well, but we condone plagiarism because we would love to laugh at you being hauled off to plagiarism jail. Go to the website, tapestryradio.org slash scotchcast. There's a form right at the top of the page for homework submissions. Fill it out and we'll do it. And if you like this podcast, check out the other shows on the Tapestry Radio Network, like Intermission, the Backstage Drama Podcast, Us Play Fiasco, the Fiasco Actual Play RPG Improv Podcast, Freddy Goes to a Podcast, the Freddy the Pig book series discussion podcast, which we uh, spun off from this show but didn't discuss in this episode, <laughs> and Pokemon Rollout, the Pokemon Tabletop United Actual Play Podcast. So rate and review us uh, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that'll help other people find out uh, about the show and enjoy it as well. Ethan, where can they find you? I am on Twitter at Bjartlet. That's at B-J-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. -T. I'm on Instagram. I think it's just Captain Stormfield. Not a real captain. All lowercase. All run together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am on Twitter and Instagram at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L uh, and until next time just remember it's our party and we'll cry we'll cry tears of joy if you say fruit bat to us <laughs> I mean we will yeah <laughs> we will we will we will absolutely bye okay heart bye Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From, From our, our fancy, fancy to yours. yours.